Howdy, people. We're back. We are back with our next episode, and I'm I'm excited about this one. This what, number much. seven. Yeah. Number yeah, seven. number seven. Lucky, lucky number seven. Lucky, lucky number seven. <laughs> nice. Yeah, dude. So we're we're gonna be doing Hellbound, Hellraiser two, number two, and it came out in uh, a good year, 1988. Yeah, but first, I mean, how was your week? It was. I've had a good week, man. Um, like I said, for the most part, got to watch this film and the uh, the first you know entry in the series, Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. So I got caught up in the series. Um, yeah, you know, outside of that, just taking it easy, you know, enjoying some of this uh, this winter weather. We're getting some snow. So. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's been nice. Not it's too bad. Kind of getting kind of cold out. It uh, is. Yeah. It is. I mean, I hope it doesn't get too much colder, but uh, it's not too bad. Yeah, I'm out in it a bit, as you know. Oh so. yeah, no doubt. Uh, no, I'm I'm used to it though. So whatever, I'm getting I'm getting through it. Yeah, I don't know. Like my week. Said, I mean, it wasn't bad. It didn't really do much. Uh, it was kind of kind of boring. Yeah, I feel kind of sleepy, but. Hey, this this, this has me feeling re-energized a bit. Well, because... exactly, man. I like said, and that's what's keeping me kind of a buzz too, is knowing the fact that we've got some really good movies lined up, and this being uh, the next one in our entry. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I guess we'll we'll just go straight into it. Yeah, uh, I don't really have anything. No, I mean, like I said, we're uh, you know now we're kind of keeping it up more on a weekly basis. So you know we're we're kind of caught up to speed at this point. Yeah, which is, I mean, I guess that feels kind of nice, doesn't it? Yeah, like I mean, it gives us more time to kind of delve into the movie. Let's do it. All right. Okay, let's uh, let's find out how did that make us squeal? How does that make you squeal? All right, so we're like I said, we're delving into Hellbound, Hellraiser two. Uh, came out in 1988. Which I always forget it's Hellbound. I just always yeah. think of it as Hellraiser two. Well, yeah, off. I mean, it would make more sense, but. Hellbound is it's, it's cool though like yeah. yeah I'm down with it yeah makes sense I mean when you watch the film it makes sense for sure yeah so uh, okay yeah like you said 1988 yeah that's the year it came out I think the release date was like right around Christmas almost this time of year it came out uh, December 23rd 1988 here in the states um, uh, the director of the film is Tony Randall and uh, he w- did a couple of films too like um, he did Ticks which is kind of like a a weird little sci-fi horror movie, you know, like one of those B, mm-hmm. maybe C film credits that you would see. I think he did Fist of the North Star, and he did a lot of episodes for the uh, Beyond Belief, the Truth or Fiction series. Okay. So, uh, yeah, he's, he's hmm. known for kind of doing, you know, like I said, maybe B-grade level mm-hmm. entries, yeah. but, you know, they're still a low-budget stuff. And, yeah. And this, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a few things. Uh, no doubt. So, overall... When we talk, because first off, Hellraiser gives us another, I mean, we say this a lot, I guess, but we're doing these movies purposely because they have these figures, but another iconic figure in horror with Pinhead. But with a lot of the other iconic figures, with like your Jasons, uh, your Freddies and stuff, your Chuckies, as the series go on, they suffer because they turn into terrible comedies. Yeah, they definitely can. Now, the problem with the Hellraiser series is they don't really do that. They instead just suffer from being too low budget for for their ideas. Yeah, and that makes sense, too. Like I said, when you're trying to uh, extend a franchise over the course of, you know, in this case, it could be decades. Uh, because, they're, you know, they're still putting out movies that came out in the 2010s, that, you know, in this decade that we're in. So This one still looks good. Yeah. For its time period, you know, um, 
its its budget wasn't really a whole heck of a lot when you when you think of it in terms of budget. It's like three million dollars, and they uh, I think they grossed like around twelve million for us. So, I mean, they got right. the penny back on it. Oh, for sure, for sure. You and know, it's, I mean, it, I mean, for good reason. This is yeah, still really good. There one. were parts in it where you know you could tell it was dated, but there was some really really good. Um, when I think of like the scenes involving um, like the skinless Julia and things like that. The uh, the way they portray the you know the muscles of your body without your skin and you know kind of the skeletal figure it looked it looked you know realistic it looked really good oh for sure oh and I'm so glad that we got into this too because I really I think out of all those that you always go into of those those more modern slasher monsters and yeah. stuff and uh, the things that we think of from around this time period that we keep naming off your Freddy's Jasons da 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 Pinhead is visually my favorite always has yeah he's been. he's got a, an awesome look that it's like so when you think of other um you know characters throughout the horror genre his i think is really distinct because you know first his name is pinhead and he's got pins all over his head but Which, he also has i mean know, let's get into that for just a second yeah. that's not his name no no it's not it's definitely not um, it's just what he's you know known as right uh based off of stories by clive barker he wasn't really he wasn't given a name no until the second book that was put out just like a year ago something like that wow. a year and a half ago uh, which you know follows up to the original story which is like over 20 years old yeah exactly. so he didn't even officially have a title for years and years and years and that is that is a really cool story uh, about and that even too, then yeah. it's finally only hell priest yeah which is <laughs> okay whatever we knew that uh, I think I think in the credits he's like lead Cenobite or something. I think like you're that. right. Yeah, I think you're right when they when they title it. Pinhead comes from what like the the crew called him and stuff on set, yeah. and it leaked out to fans. And I mean it's it's fitting. Exactly, but you know, in the terms of uh, who he really is, you know, as, you know, as and far he's as always the, been Pinhead. Like well, I know he's yeah. Pinhead. I've only who, ever who known him as Pinhead until like recent years when I've looked into it. Like, yeah, and like I said, that that gives it a, a really cool side story. You know, like how how that stuff can leak and give it a whole different dimension. And I mean, it definitely stuck because that's what I know him as as well. And I still even remember. I mean, it was always it was always that image of him with the the cross sectioned face oh, yeah. and the pin sticking out that get, uh, grabbed me. Uh, I sought out the Hellraiser movies because I had seen that uh, uh, as a little kid. As you remember, back when we were younger, a lot more things were done with mail-order catalogs. Oh, yeah, certainly were, man. And I don't even remember which ones they were, but my best friend's older brothers would get some pretty cool ones with, like, all sorts of crazy, like, fantasy knives. Oh, yeah. And, oh, yeah. Uh, like, crazy, just, like, prank shit. Yeah, I mean, you, you could find those, like, uh, you know, almost like, an, I wouldn't say necessarily mad TV comics, but things of that nature. I mean, like, there were comic books back then, too. Mm -hmm. Like, at the back, you could find... Uh, little catalogs. sections like this yeah but these would be like these big 80 page ones come oh out yeah. like every other month something like that but the A cool catalog, thing yeah. was like three or four pages of each one was always dedicated to like uh high-end horror masks and so oh, yeah. there was always like your standard like sort of Halloween like generic but like really cool things like fucking crazy ass demon and oh, like yeah. flayed head and this yeah, and that. Yeah, I remember the time period too when they were they were all coming out as well. That was really cool. Uh, but then there was always a section with like uh, replications from movies, yeah, and so there'd yeah. be like realistic looking Chucky's head and like 
the realistic looking pinhead head was one where I was like, if only I had $90. Yeah. Oh my God. You must be a millionaire to have $90 because I'm like seven. Uh, You must be a millionaire to have $90. Well, yeah, back then, I mean, even now, 90 bucks is still, you know, a nice little change if you don't have it. But uh, no, it's really cool because I remember going into Halloween stores back in the 90s specifically and seeing masks like that, you know, up on the, on the high the shelves. High shelf. Yeah, you're like, oh, the shit, there it is. Like, see, you see the Freddy Kruegers, your pinheads. Like, so the list goes on, Leatherface, etc. But yeah, it brings back good memories when I think about that. And then when I finally get into the series later on, after, you know, finding him because of how cool he looked, then I find out he's just a straight badass. Like, oh yeah. until the later issues, uh, entries into the series, he really doesn't care. He's just doing his job. Like, oh, it's yeah. not his fault that you summoned him. But now that you summoned him, like... You want to play the game. Yep. That's, hey, that's, here I it's, am. It's desire that brings me, so... Exactly. I mean, that's it, that's a part of this story is, like, you know, regardless of your intentions, if you if you call them forth, uh, you know, not good things are going to happen. Let's put it that way. I thought that was kind of cool as compared to, like, the other slashers that were coming out around that era. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense, you know, because, like I said, I remember growing up uh, around this, like I said, in 88, so I would have been, like, around 7 eight nine somewhere around that time when i would have first seen it and uh, i remember the characters too and uh like i said there, there are ones that would make you want to watch it uh so anyhow like i said um that's a that's a very iconic figure man with pinhead i mean no doubt about it even though like i said now it's is known that he has a whole different name you're right right yeah hell priest yeah hell priest so I'm making a jerking off motion because I really don't like that. Man. I'm sorry. And I, I dig Clive Barker. And let's get into that for a second, too. Oh, yeah. No doubt, man. Based Clive on Barker stories is... by Clive Barker, awesome. he does have uh, a decently big part, I think, in like writing the script on at least these yeah, first few Yeah, he entries. certainly does. And I think it shows in a lot of ways. He's a really good writer. I haven't read as much of his stuff as he would like, but, I mean, you could go into the other room there and like, oh, have yeah. the Books of Blood like sitting right there on my bookshelf. There you go have a couple of the uh the comic entries in the hellraiser series because how the universe is just so amazing yeah dude um i've always found it really intriguing just this whole mythos that he's built around the cenobites and and the box and everything and yeah because that's that's a really cool story arc man that you know uh when you look at like i said figures and horror movies that aren't necessarily given a lot of um you know, backbone or, or background. Like I said, it makes you want to dig a little bit further when they give them, uh, you know, like I said, entries into uh, whether it's graphic novels or, you know, novels within themselves, man. It gives you a whole different realm to play with. It's really cool. And Clive Barker, in a big way, has been an influence in both horror, like writing, oh, yeah, fiction, and the movies that we look at. Oh, yeah, uh, both to realms. To a gigantic extent, Possibly only rivaled by Stephen King, I think, in adaptations. When agree. you consider that in just the Clive Barker Books of Blood, which is a, a collection of short horror stories, uh, nine of the stories in just the Books of Blood have been adapted to being uh, filmed versions in either like TV movies or actual full-on movies. Yeah, so I mean that, that tells you right there that uh, those stories are so compelling that you like so they yeah you want to transform them into a visual aspect where, you know more people are are, are tuned to wanting to see it in that way. I think we you know we're all visual creatures, so it's it's more accessible that way. And much like this one, a lot of them are fucked up. Oh yeah, no doubt about it, man. Like I said, these stories, man, and then the thing I like about it too, like I said, it's 
it's pure horror because it's you know there's no sugar coating to it uh even when it looks like it's lollipop and all that good stuff uh it's really not and i and, and in fact we've already talked about possibly doing uh, at least one other movie that uh clive barker penned uh possibly two more there's yeah man there's a lot we can do you know uh, so I'm excited about that. Uh, he's always a great writer. I even played through the video game that he wrote. Yeah. Clive Barker's Jericho. I don't know. First-person shooter. I, I know what game you're talking about. I don't know if I ever really got to play it, though. It's kind of frustrating. It wasn't a bad game. Like, I didn't have a problem playing through it, but it wasn't the best game either. Yeah. Uh, it was It was kind of harrowing because the enemies were really hard to kill, and they would still kind of swarm you. And you had to pretty much empty, like, an entire clip into every single enemy to down one. Wow. <laughs> and so you were just constantly just... They'd be coming within, like, two feet of you before falling down dead as you just gradually mowed down waves. And, yeah, and then eventually it'll catch up to you. <sighs> so that's frustrating. Yeah, but got through it. Me and a buddy plowed through it. It was a good time. Nice, uh, And there were some really neat things in it that were very... Well, it even even well. extending into the video game, uh, you know, with horror genre. Yeah, just cool, man. There are really cool entries in that. We can go on for days, but that you know. Yeah, you know there really are, but uh, and he's obviously even influenced that. So there you go. <laughs> there we go. Clive Barker, another touchstone. Glad we hit upon him. Yeah, likewise. Basically. And like I said, I think like this is a, a really cool entry uh, into the series. Like I said, in terms of the, uh, the the film adaptation. So we've got, uh, like I said, we've got Clive Barker writing the story. Uh, screenplay was Peter Atkins. He helped, you know, transform okay. the story onto the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, the production companies in this were uh, Film Futures, New World Pictures, and Troop Star. So there was, you know, three different production companies that helped release the film. And like I said, a really small budget. Uh, even for that time period, like I said, $3 million. Turnaround made $12 million, uh, less than, like, just a few months later, back in February, it was reported, like I said, about $12 million. And this um, has to be one that, that they continue to see returns on, on oh, VHS yeah, no and doubt. later DVD. Cause... Well, yeah, like I said, when I think of that time period, too. I think it took maybe a little bit longer from the time it, it hit you know, the, the, the screen, the films, uh, until you could actually rent it on VHS at that time period. So uh, it would stay in films for a little while. Uh, so you might have to wait, I want to say maybe up to six months after the film had released, before you could even get a, a copy of it back mm-hmm. then, or at least in my you know recollection of that's, it, that's that's how I always remembered it too. Really, yeah. I mean, you had to wait a little while after you know after it was in the theaters. But anywho, uh, this one came out like a little bit before Christmas, so this time of year, it's probably a good time to watch this film, man, just to yeah, give it that, you know. And that was completely by accident. No, yeah. By the way, way to go, universe. Yeah, like I said, it's. Uh, I, I'm finding that watching some of these films is you know we're not doing this intentionally. I think it's just. Like I said, it's just the way it's working naturally, man. It's organic. Yeah. Well, I'm excited for... We already have the next couple planned, too, but we'll get into that later. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that later. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for those as well, though. Uh, So, in a big, big part of this movie, of course, we already mentioned the figure of Pinhead. We have Doug Bradley playing Pinhead. Doug Bradley, exactly. Who originated the role in the first one. He certainly did. Yeah, he sure did. Goes on, and he plays Pinhead through most of the series. Yeah. You know, like I said, I kind of... I know maybe that he doesn't off. in the latest one, maybe two. I'm I don't know. Sure. To be honest, I haven't watched them. I haven't The series went on for a bit. And yeah, I think there's like nine films yeah. in the series. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of catching up to do if you haven't watched a lot of them. Uh, to be honest, like I'd I'd rather go like I, I've read a bit of the comic series. I'd rather finish reading that. That no, storyline was completely. 
bonkers and awesome. I, yeah, like I said, I think that if we try to delve all the way into this series, we could get distracted from all kinds of other stuff we could be watching. Right. I, I might mention a little bit of the plot of the, the comic series. Oh, no, I'm after, okay after we we go through the film. Yeah. Just maybe in case if anybody wants to sort of hook on to it, because it would sort of follow events after this a little and bit. And I think that so. would be really cool, yeah. Yeah, so like we've got Doug Bradley plays Pinhead. Um, he's also credited and, as Captain Elliot Spencer. Exactly, which actually plays a big part of the comic thing too, which is what partially reminded me. Yeah, you know, and I think um, they did. I, I don't know if they ever said his that name in they the film. They never say the, the name out loud. I was listening for it. Cause yeah, I, didn't I was know as that. well because it's credited as then. I was like, huh, because they always, um, you know, allude to this is who he is and. You know, we'll get into that later, but it, you know, essentially that's that's another title credit. But Doug Bradley, a big figure in horror oh, films, no just doubt. because of this role. Yeah, I mean, who who to thunk it? You know what I mean? Uh, but I like I said this super iconic figure. So mm-hmm. give credit to where he uh, where it's due with Doug Bradley. Uh, then uh, Kenneth Cranham as Doctor Channard. Yeah, and he he plays a pretty cool character, man. He's if I remember a, right, he's Shakespearean. Yeah, uh, I think oh, he's yeah. a Shakespearean actor, and you can tell, man. Um, he he kind of hams it up a bit as later on. I like it though. He's full of puns in this movie. Like yeah. the later on, it gets, and I, I kind of oh, like yeah. it. Yeah, he he brings a little. Yeah, he he brings uh, a little humor to his character, and it's and it's odd, but it, I liked it. It is odd because otherwise, as compared to some of these other movies we've done, we've oh, yeah. done this really isn't that humorous. No, no, no. Like I said, his just has very slight humor. It's not like a laugh out loud. It's just no. They're like, like there's oh, little shit. things here and there, but it's <laughs> yeah, not not dark comedy kind of like no, uh, no, no, no. TCM two was and stuff. No, really quickly on the subject of TCM two, uh, I do want to point out that I realized while I was editing. Uh, the movie I made a mistake and said that Rob Zombie sampled Dog Will Hunt for a song. Right. When I was just really thinking about Rob Zombie a lot because I love House of a Thousand Corpses oh, yeah, and Devil's yeah. Rejects. And they're super similar to both the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. But it was Primus that, um, okay. that sampled that for Jerry Was a Race Car Driver. Oh, yeah, that's a good song. So, yeah, my bad. I realized it as that's soon as okay. I heard myself say it, but. Hey, man, we make mistakes, and, you know, we got it fixed. Also, I did uh, I did a tiny bit of research in the meantime because I love the movie so much, and I don't know how we missed it. But Nubbins is, in fact, yeah. the name... Oops. The name of the body. No, and, you were telling me that, and I was like, yes, that's that makes total sense. And Nubbins is the hitchhiker from the first film. Not the hitchhiker as in, like, the person got picked up, yep. but hitchhiker as in the member of the family that's known as the hitchhiker, yep. who is supposed to be Chop Top's twin brother. <laughs> as wild, isn't it? And they share the same birthmark on opposite sides of their face. That's wild, yeah. And that's why Chop Top was the one always hanging out with him. Yeah, so like I said, it makes total sense uh, when you think about Nubbins, like said, being his twin brother... And there's parts in the you know the movie where he's where it seems like maybe he's talking to himself, but he's actually you know hanging out with Nubbin. So yeah, yeah, exactly, man. Uh, but That's okay, pretty awesome. enough of that. I just wanted to throw that. Yeah, in we got there. a little tangent, but it's pretty cool, man. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. I thought that was really cool. Um, but yeah, we're we're right now we're we're still on Hellraiser. We got through like we said, Doug Bradley, Clive Barker, these other guys. Yeah, like I said, we were talking about uh, I think uh, Kenneth uh, Cranham playing Doctor Philip uh, Channard. Who uh, later on turns into a Cenobite himself. I don't know if that's, that's giving right. away too much, but yeah. Yeah, we'll let it slide. It's cool. Yeah. It's cool. 
And then as uh, Kirsty Cotton. Yeah, Kirsty Cotton. We have Ashley Lawrence, which I think in this film, when, when I look at all the actors in the film, she might be maybe the weakest link. I hate to say it, but... She, I mean, she's a she's a strong character throughout the entire series, but her acting is she's really, a strong character. Yeah, I mean, her uh, character yeah. is strong. Her but acting is a little. I might, I might agree with you on that. Yeah, she, now, I'm not giving anything away to her because she's a, she's a strong character throughout. She's played that character for a long time in the series, right? You know, and it's central. But I mean, her acting definitely gets better throughout. But in this, it's like you can tell she's. I mean, think about the, the the cast that they have. She's stacked up against some pretty good actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Tiffany. Yeah, Tiffany's played by, uh, I think her name's Imogene Borman. Or Borman. Okay. Um, I, I was looking into her film credits. She doesn't have very many. I think this is like one of the the few that she was in. Even mm-hmm. like, I think maybe even after, not very... She was uh, cool. I liked her. She fit she into this cool universe. She had a cool character. She was cool. Then Kyle... Yeah, Kyle was, uh, I think the uh, actor's name is William Hope. He plays uh, kind of like the sidekick to the Dr. Channard, uh, one of his pupils. Uh, I guess the big one I, I guess that I kept skipping over is Julia. Yeah, Julia was uh, Claire Higgins. And yeah, she was in the first film, so she had a very, very big part in both of these films. Uh, as You're right, as I can't character. believe I kept skipping over her. No, no it's okay. a I mean, huge part. She has a huge influence in how the whole thing unravels. Uh, with Kirsty, with everybody else in this film, from its inception into the the film adaptation. So yeah, like I said, she's a carryover from the first film. Yeah, like I said, we've also I think another person who maybe not a big character in the film. I mean, even though his his character is influential throughout the series, was uh, Uncle Frank Cotton. Oh right, yeah, Frank. Sean Chapman. That's a good call. Yeah, because in the first film, like I said, he Frank's along huge with, in the first. Film. Yeah, and Julia, they have a, a more of a dynamic in the first film than he does in this film. Uh, and the father is a big influence on this one, yeah. but he's only seen maybe twice in flashbacks. Exactly. He He's more of like a montage figure mm-hmm. in this film. There's yeah. a lot of flashbacks and montages in this Gotta place. have a montage. Yeah, basically. No, there's a shit ton. I was kind of surprised. But oh, that was pretty they did, cool. They did, the did a decent did job of it, though. And it I mean, might be, you know, as, as I was rewatching this and I was thinking about all the other ones, and I do feel like I might have to rewatch number three again now yeah, as well. But I rewatched one not too long ago, uh, not as recently as you, but it wasn't too long ago, and this might be my favorite. Unlike yeah, unlike Texas really Chainsaw Massacre two, where it would be my favorite, but number one is such oh, a masterpiece. Man. You put number one on, and like it's already got my attention. I'm ready to watch it. But this one. I think I like this one more than one overall. Yeah, number one likes it. And you get all the you, best parts of one in those montages anyway. You absolutely do. Like so, one is like said if it. It builds the whole story. How? Why are we even watching these films? And number two gives you, like I said, a lot more into the characters and what's it happening. Still after. leaves you with some questions. Which oh, it is definitely. Kind of why does. I want to rewatch three and sort of see yeah, how I exactly. end up feeling after three again. Three is three is not bad. Let's just put it that way. Three is the one with the Motorhead song, right? I believe so. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Love, oh yeah. Love Motorhead. Uh, yeah. So yeah, base. Oh yeah, Pinhead. So metal. So oh yeah. yeah. Um, like so the only other the uh, actors that I could I could give credit to in this would be uh, the skinless Julia was played by Deborah Joel. Okay. Uh, and then we have some of the uh, the Cenobites. Uh, right. The female uh, Cenobite was played by Barbie uh, Barbie Wild. Right. Uh, Chatter was Nicholas Vince. Yeah, Nicholas Vince and Butterball was uh, Simon Bamford. So those are some of your uh, like I said, your Cenobites that are in this film as well. I believe I read somewhere that Nicholas Vince actually read, I mean, not read, wrote 
uh, sort of an unofficial backstory for the chatter. Yeah. Unofficial. And uh, I sort of read a synopsis of it and I wasn't too, too sold. I'd, I'd kind of like to see what Clive maybe, oh God, it would be great if he gave us an answer someday because yeah. we'll get to it. But there's something about the chatterer that you find out very, very later oh, on in the yes. movie. Yes, without giving anything a away. a lot of questions. Yes, absolutely. A ton of questions. And that's why so this one, I think, like you said, with this, this entry, it has a lot more... Um, uh, I would say narrative to like some of the characters, like where it gives you a lot more depth of who they are, what mm-hmm. they really are, and just amazing design overall. Oh, yeah, the Cenobites yeah. have always looked uh, fascinating. Though I've always preferred Pinhead and the Lady to the look of Chatter and Butterball. Yeah, I, I can understand that completely. Those are, I mean, they're. I think they're intentionally made to look disgusting, whereas yeah. the other two are are far more proper and regal like yeah they they are they're cut up and they're mutilated but they're not they're not dirty no. they're they're very prim and proper and they're still going on about their shit yeah they they're conducting their their business whereas like chatterer can't even like communicate properly no that's why they call him chatter it'll just look a butterball yeah poor butterball man Dude. But yeah, like so I think like I'm so glad it's, I don't have to go through life looking like Butterball. Oh Jesus, Murphy, man, I could imagine that shit. That would suck. But uh, yeah, like, like so, these, this is our cast, and this is um, there. Like so, there's a few other kind of scattering of people, but this is the strong cast in this uh, feature film that we're we're reviewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, don't watch this movie if you have a problem with gore. First there, and foremost, man, there's, a lot, there's a lot of gore in this movie. I forgot how much gore. And there's a lot of gore in the first one, too. There is. Unlike a lot of these movies where the first one isn't as gory as they're remembered, there's a lot of gore in the first one. There is. There's a lot of gore, uh, even I think in the third one as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of gore if you like it, but if you don't, stay away from it. Um, if you don't like stories about, um, you know, interdimensional demons and stuff like that, or, yeah. you know, you're not uh, comfortable with those kind of stories, stay away from it. There's some tits. Yeah, there's there's some nudity. Um, uh, not gratuitous, but there's no. some. Um, there's two sex scenes technically, but yeah. the first one is a flashback yep. to the first movie. Yeah, it's, it's in so the montage. So if you have seen the first movie and you were okay with any of the sex in the first movie, you would be just as comfortable you watching this. Just one. as comfortable in this one because exactly. that is the most hardcore sex scene you'll run into in this movie. Uh, yeah, exactly. If you want to call it that, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because right. it's it. What you get like all of like three seconds, maybe five seconds. You get yeah, in, you get you, you like so you get the the uh, you get the idea of what's going on. Let's put it that way mm-hmm. without getting to see the you know everything. Even some of the nudity that is seen isn't necessarily like so it's not gratuitous. Uh, well, not necessarily gratu- even gratuitous, but it's not appealing necessarily. No, 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 no. not not something that I would get my jollies off on or anything like that. No, so but so mostly the gore, really. If you don't like yeah. gore, stay away from this. There is a lot of that. There's a lot of gore. It's pretty disgusting. And uh, yeah, man. I, like I said, other than that, if you enjoy those things, this would be a great oh, film so to watch. Fun. Like I think it's my favorite. I have to rewatch three. Yeah, I, I you know I I would agree. I think third the third one prior to watching these was the more recent of the entries that I've watched. But it's been a while since I've seen that one. Right. So. Uh, I think with that in mind, we are going to jump, yeah, jump straight into this and just get right into the... I mean, the guts and bolts almost sounds too dirty, yeah. right? but uh, I don't want to think of a pun for chains and hooks. Yeah. So we're going to do guts and bolts. <laughs> guts and bolts. Guts and bolts. 
All right, man, we're in to the film. All right, and then the guts and bolts. And honestly, it becomes very apparent very quickly why we said if you don't like gore, yep, and why we should really make it more about chains. Oh man, like the first what, within the first just few seconds, we get into uh, you see the title screen, Hellraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> then you hear the uh, what's your pleasure, sir? Your uh, what's your pleasure, sir? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you see uh, what I wrote down was. Um, Kersey's father, although if you haven't seen the first one, it's not really him. Uh, right, right. It's okay, not really yeah, him. It's not really him. But he says... Uh, but if you recognize it oh, as being man. a flashback from the first film. Exactly. It's a flashback from the first film because they're, they're kind of catching you up to speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyhow, his, his character's got hooks chained to his face, kind of stretching his face. And he says, Jesus wept. Yeah, um, it's pretty wild, man, because I think that's the scene where she like kind of walks in. On all that all stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he says that Jesus wept, and then his face gets pulled apart, head explodes. You know, all like I said, right as she's, you know, entering the room. But then the, the whole thing is just a rehash of right, the first there's film. There's like a montage basically. of a, basically a lot of the gore shots from the yeah, first film. Yeah, and they're really good, too, man. Like I said, it's, uh, if you like that kind of, like I said, gore, and you're listening to, you know, up to this point, man, it's they do a good job. And then it goes into the little credit sequence. Yeah, like I said, it it, it goes to that music not, score. Not red on black. No. But white on black. White on black. But it's still that same font. Like yeah. like we said, like there's a reason why everybody got so excited when Stranger Things logo appeared. Because it looked yeah, exactly. exactly spot on for the era. And, and like, this is exactly, one of the films yeah. that helped define that era. And like, and and for me too, growing up, like I said, it was it was a way to identify, like, okay, here we go. You know, it's like one of those films you could recognize just by the title. And of course, you're going through, and if you were familiar with the first movie, you're like, oh yeah, Doug Bradley, and oh yeah, yeah Clive Barker. Oh yeah, yeah exactly. You met like just start seeing all these Ashley Lawrence, Claire Higgins, the blah blah blah. Yeah, and then it goes from straight to like I said, the rehashing, the montage, into a scene with um, sounds like a radio broadcast is going on. Um, you see, like a dial with all these different cities. Yeah, it looks like and some sort of monitoring, monitoring gear. It seems exactly. I, you know, I thought it was kind of cool because it, it was, you know, like so the way you can look into it. I guess depending on the wavelength, you could pick up on different cities mm-hmm. in Europe, etc. But uh, yeah, you see that, and it kind of pans out. You hear like a little broadcast going on on the radio, and uh, I saw like a uniform, maybe like a, a military uniform laid out on a bed, caught maybe, and uh, then you see. Uh, a, a guy on the gra- like on the on the floor, kind of messing with a box. Right, and so I mean, all my notes this time around are in in light of having delved into the mythos. Oh so yeah, I'm immediately going Elliot Spencer. Exactly, Captain so, Elliot Spencer. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, if, if you're familiar, yeah, exactly. So because this is the second one, I mean, I would imagine maybe you know a little bit of, of the background, uh, at least this much. But it is, it's it's uh, it's the captain Elliot Spencer. Sitting on the ground playing with the uh, the box or the cube, whatever the you want. First time you get to see the puzzle box. Yeah, exactly. It uh, it opens up, and I think he gets like like a little shock or electrocution. The box kind of tumbles away from him. It opens, opens up, up. He looks into it, and then the, the chains, chains come out. Man, gore him, hook onto him, rip him basically apart. I think he lets out a scream, and then uh, it almost kind of. I think in some of those sequences, it kind of foreshadows maybe later events in the film, possibly. Because you see, like, um, like this cloud scene, and maybe even like that that labyrinth 
Oh, the labyrinth, right. And, I mean, he kind of gets pulled into the box, which also is a little bit of a foreshadowing. Exactly. Because you you see part of his creation. And you what do. you start seeing is the, the hooks start ripping across his skin. Yeah, and, and it's, a, like it's the, the grid. Uh, exactly. That grid starts coming out. Then you start seeing the pins. Pop, 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 pop. Yeah, pop. Even, like hammers driving men as he's screaming. So you know that's like his, maybe that's how he turned into a Xenobite at that point. And now they like say gives it credence to how he came to be. Right, and then you even hear a little bit of a voiceover, something about the He's sweet like, suffering. Oh, the suffering, the sweet suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it cues into uh, to uh, like I guess an an eyeball, and it pans out, and we you know realize it's Kirsty uh, waking up in a hospital bed in a psych ward at this point. I'm not quite sure how much time has passed between the first movie and this one, but it's, I, it's I would not imagine much. not much time. It's not much. It it may, I would like, say maybe uh, maybe a week tops. I was going to say a week tops. Yeah, because. Kirsty's been out of it. She's, yeah, she's kind been of had of a, a mental break. I, I almost want to say it might be just a few days at tops, but I mean, I'll give a week I, at least. That's kind of what I was thinking. Because they, you know, he, the guy who's, you know, who comes into this scene is the, te- the detective. I think his, his name is Ronson or some shit like that. But I think that fits because uh, it seems like they must have gotten to start on the sequel almost as soon as they were done with the first one because I yeah, think they came out it came in concurrent like eighty-seven years. and then eighty-eight. Yeah, so I mean, that would make sense. You know, in terms of the chronological way that maybe they shot it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so like I said, it, it goes to uh, to her being questioned about what happened and almost kind of like catching her up to speed on why she's in the in the bed and whatnot. And um, you know, like I said, that that uh, that detective is telling her that you know the the boyfriend at the, in the first movie got out, you know, mm-hmm. what, like a day or so ago or whatnot. He's already gone home at this yeah, point. Yeah, he, he he left a while ago. Yeah, they've already questioned him. Uh, he's like, but I was at your father's house, like, so I have some questions for you. Like, yeah, and then I think it, it cues to like some cops back at the uh, the house in the first movie, like her, oh, her yeah, dude, dad's home. Yeah, this nicely mustachioed <clears throat> cop. Yeah, this this yeah, exactly. Like it's like a proper maybe New York officer back in those days. But uh, yeah, he's inspecting. Um, I guess it was like maybe that upstairs room, maybe the attic room yeah. or whatnot. Finds a corpse all covered oh, in maggots. Man. Maggots, flies. Oh. He hears buzzings before he opens Dude, it up. Another, it's just disgusting. All the, the effects are so good. Exactly, man. They, they look disgusting. <clears throat> There's times things look a little fakey. Well, yeah, I mean, but, given, given. But for the most part, they're really good. But and if, yeah, if they were using, uh, like I said, props or makeup or whatnot on people, they did a great job. But as far as maybe some of the effects. Mm hmm. Not so much, you know, because it was dated, you know. But um, but you're right. It goes into uh, him finding that corpse. <clears throat> and then I think, uh, as he's popping up, another corpse falls behind him. Almost seems to pop out. Yeah. Him, and, and he sure takes it that way. Yeah, he turns around and unloads like six rounds. I was counting. I was like, holy shit, he unloaded a lot of rounds. He fucking dusts that corpse, yeah, dude. He did. He like, he shot it, that shit apart. I think it cues back into, like I said, Ronson, the detective, uh, one and Kirsty explain exactly what happened at her parents' home. None of that demon fairy tale shit. And she starts just going off. Oh, sometimes the fairy tales come true. Yeah, duh. some of them, even the bad ones, they come true. Duh. Yeah, like I said, her her acting is like it's it's doable, but it's you know it's like it, she doesn't do a, uh, a great job, but you know she does mm-hmm. a, a fair job. Um, and then they get a he gets a call. Yeah, he gets a call. They're explaining that they found. The corpses, and you know, like there was an accidental shooting. Yeah, uh, uh, one of them got messed up a little bit, but we also got this mattress. Yeah, we found a mattress, you know, and uh, I think it goes back to Kirsten. She's like, Julia, 
You like, know, so, shit. Like, oh, no, Julia, the mattress. Uh, and so then it, I think it shows... And if you know the first movie, you know yep. that Julia got killed on the mattress. She got killed on the mattress, exactly. And so there's blood... What I wrote down is blood stains and chains on the mattress. Because yeah. that's exactly that's what's exactly on exactly what's on it. Blood stains and chains. Yeah. And I think once they showed like that scene of, of the cops, you know, calling in and finding all that shit, uh, it cues back to, um, to Dr. Channard. Um, I think he's like in an operating room with a bunch of students operating on uh, somebody's, the back of their skull. But he's explaining like, um, you know, what we have to see, we have to know. He's basically talking about how far they've gotten into science and understanding the brain and, and he's memory. about the mind is a labyrinth. Exactly. Which is, I think, the first thing he says, which the labyrinth kind of... Ter- ties into later on it does it totally the does mind is a labyrinth he alludes to a lot of things else is a labyrinth exactly we'll get there oh yeah well exactly <laughs> and then, like i said he even alludes to what some of his little phrasings like we have to see we have to know and that kind of gets him in trouble later on Ooh, that's true uh but he he gets kind of pulled out of surgery I yeah he gets called him. because um kirsty uh apparently is coming to and she's becoming a little um aggressive you know and they need um they need the, the doctor right away so he calls unto kyle he's like you know he calls unto this guy and i think he's like drilling the back of that lady's head like mm-hmm. there's you know there's apparently a flayed lady open her skull is oh, that was pretty cool who i think we might find out who that is i later. i agree i agree upon further it watching, seems like that's something he might have done a few times i would agree but i think we find out who that is we don't know necessarily right now but we i think we'll come to find out later i agree with you on that one and drilling into the back of a head is also kind of a, a recurring thing in this movie yeah too. like i said it, it alludes to a lot of things a lot of um early scenes foreshadow i think like i said later scenes which might just be a testament to the writing of clive barker yeah and i like it i like it things like this i like it and and like i said it's a clever way to do that too but uh, yeah we go through uh the doctor getting a page he's with uh what we find out is oh i don't think we even know his name quite yet but he's with a uh he says it soon enough though because i do write down kyle yeah, I mean, and I couldn't remember his name at first. They're so. they're basically talking about um, you know the fact of what she's experienced from uh, the trauma from seeing her her parents getting murdered. Yeah, they, he gives like the framework for if you haven't seen the first one. Exactly. Here's kind of the <clears throat> basics to Kirsty without giving a lot of the details. Yeah, I guess you, yeah. Well, we can give you a little backbone of nothing else, but. Uh, yeah, like I said, apparently... It's kind of exposition, but it's also kind of like lecturing him, because he's like, always remember exam first. And like yeah, exactly. And... Exactly. Like, he... Because I think he chimes in on a, on a like, a suggestion, and he, yeah, exactly, he's like, what's the first thing we should do? Examination. Uh, he says we have to win from there their trust, mm-hmm. draw from them their story, take from them their pain. And that's that was the essentials he was trying to tell him uh, of how they're going to deal with Kirsty, you know? Who's kind of freaking out at this point? Yeah, she's getting. She has to get re- restrained by uh, by the detective, and he finally subdues her. And um, you know, like I said, I guess he's basically um, maybe trying to give her a way to calm down. You know, like you know, I guess at this point too, the doctor and and uh, this guy walk in, Kyle. Um, well, and she's kind oh, of. Although she's explaining the Cenobites and demons. Yeah, she's explaining kind of the solve the box. Yeah. Called the Cenobites. Yeah, you're right. Or, who, they called them. Who? The yeah. Cenobites. Exactly. 
No, you're right about that. She does explain the Cenobites, the demons. That's what she calls them. Uh, and like, and that's when Doctor Channard introduces himself. Um, she keeps explaining to them that she wants them to destroy this mattress. Yeah, she's like, Julia can come back. It like brought Frank came Yeah, back. it brought Frank back. Originally, this will bring back Julia. You gotta destroy it. Get rid of it. <laughs> she's exactly. freaking the fuck out. She keeps getting more and more tense and angry about yes, it. Yes, and uh, I think the doctor kind of alludes that he needs to see another patient. Kaya will be here to help you in the meantime or look after you in the meantime. And this is basically when he introduces himself. You know, hi, I'm Kyle, basically. Right, but the, then the doc says to uh, the cop, he's like, I can help her, Yep. but I need your help. Yeah, he, he kind of negotiates with him a little bit. We'll speak tomorrow. Exactly. Um, and I think uh, at this point, we kind of delve into uh, a new character. Um, we see, I think Kirstie's in a bed. She's kind of, um, I think she's like nodding off, and, and a girl's putting this puzzle together. Oh, this wood yeah. block puzzle. I was going to say, and it's also a dark and stormy night. Yeah, it is. It seemed like a very horror thing. Yeah, it, def- it definitely does that in this film. Like I said, you, even the music, night. even the music, the score to it gives it that, you know, like, ooh, it's ominous and mysterious. And... But you're right. Then we see, then we see this girl, uh, this cute little blonde. Yeah, this little blonde, you know, she's putting together, like, so it looked like a, some kind of wood block puzzle with like, like a wooden, jig- wooden cube. jigsaw pieces. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, and it is. It's basically what she's doing. And uh, Kirsty gets up out of her bed, walks over like she, she kind of waves at her, acknowledges her. Kyle sneaks up behind her, kind of spooks her, and he's like, "Oh Jesus, I'm sorry." You know, <laughs> like that's right. he didn't mean to do. He's like, "God damn it." Kyle's kind of an incompetent bastard. He is, but you know, he's uh, he's likable enough. He's yeah, he's likable. I mean, likeable. he doesn't mean any harm, but he's kind of like he's kind of he's a little naive. But he gives it. He gives her a little bit of the backstory. Yeah, about what happened with this girl. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the nurse is named her Tiffany. Nobody knows her name. Exactly. He's like um, she doesn't really say anything. She's been alone. Uh, like I said, no family apparently. She's been there for like six months, I think they say, and um, she just solves these puzzles. And um, you know, they're I guess they're explaining maybe a little bit. Um, you know, like why she's doing these puzzles. He alludes to the fact that the doctor thinks that this is helping her cope, maybe. Mm-hmm. And then Kirstie's like, maybe she's opening doors. He's like, oh, oh, nothing. Yeah, he does. He's like, what? Oh, uh, never mind. Never mind. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. You don't need to Whatever. know that. <laughs> yeah. But then he tries. He tries to offer some sleep aids, and she re- resists, thinking they're antipsychotics. I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't need that. He's like, uh, they're just. Fucking help you sleep. At which point we immediately see that maybe she should have took him. Yeah, I think. What the fuck? Yeah, like yeah, 2020 no, is definitely uh, a good way. But like I said, there's a lot of foreshadowing, a lot of alluding. I'm not crazy. Going on. And then like 30 seconds later. 30 seconds like later, that. she's laying down in bed. And then she starts, I guess, to nod off. And she sees um, fucking like this blood drawing, a corpse. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like writing, uh, I'm in hell. Help me, like on this wall that's opening up in the background of her. Right, like a skinless corpse. Yeah, it's fucked up, man. Like I said, but the graphics I thought on the corpse itself was really good looking. Yeah, it looked man. really good. And she blinks really hard like she's trying to get rid of it. Yeah. And the corpse disappears, but the writing's still there. Yeah, the writing's still there. She even walks over to it and like kind of rubs the blood on her lips a little bit. It's kind of mm-hmm. weird. But uh, it seemed like nothing got rubbed there, which makes mm-hmm. sense because later on, she's still sitting there staring at it. Yeah. And she still sees it there, but it's Kyle that comes in. And he, you, you see it from his point of view, too, and oh, it's yeah. not there. And we no, know it's, it's right. not there anyway, but... I just thought it was weird, like I said, that she would do that. She, kinda, she walks over there to see if it was real, that blood that was scribbled in. 
But uh, yeah, and then she like I said she touches it, and then it goes to like Tiffany solving that wood block puzzle. Yeah, and then uh, then like I said, it goes back to uh, which seems ominous after she says like maybe she's opening things. Yeah, exactly. And then you see this shit happen. And... Like I said, there's a lot of like I said a lot of quick scenes where they're they're kind of alluding to like I said later stuff that's going on, but it makes perfect sense because that girl is unlocking a lot of puzzles. Maybe she holds the key. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, and then we just see the. The doc walking to yeah, the it's ward. Yeah, like maybe the next morning. And he's going through the ward, and he says, "I, I don't even remember what he says, but the, yeah, the patient, just, the yeah, patient's yeah. kind of funny because the patient's like, been here 105 years, and he still doesn't even know my name." Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of cool too, because it was it was pretty cool. Like, because the doctors, he walked by them, he acknowledged them in such a passive way. He was talking and walking at the same time, not really acknowledging them, but. Well, you sort Maybe. of see his entire reason for being there because he oh, goes yeah. to his elevator. Yeah, it goes down to like uh, an elevator that goes floor. maintenance, right? And so when you see that, you're thinking, okay, maybe he's just going to like, you know, I don't know. The janitorial section of it, right? Or uh, and, you know, maybe he has his like secret office there. Yeah, secret okay. office. Well, it turns out he does have a secret office. He does. There. Um, but if by secret office you mean his secret ward of yeah. the super psychotic? Yeah, it's like the people who who are super mental at this point, you know, who really need some awesome treatment. Uh, but they're they're off the rockers, and, and they're in the padded cells, you know, as well. And it seems like any any treatment they're getting isn't. Awesome, oh, no, so much no as way. awesomely experimental. Well, exactly, and that's the whole point. Uh, like I said, they they're not getting what they need. That's his like like I said. That's why it's his maintenance section of the uh, of the hospital he's in, that psych ward. And I think even like you see that the one person he's kind of screaming about, "Get him off me!" and all oh, this yeah, other seems stuff. Like he has bugs or something all over. Yeah, he's he's definitely he's definitely freaking out. There's a couple of them that are really fucked up, man, like for real. The other Good one guy seems like he's he's warding off evil with his cross yeah. and he's got a bunch of like crosses and such tattooed all over him and yeah. so that he's That's apparently wild. protected from all sides is what I'd guess is I, I don't know. I I think we could, we cue back over to um uh I think it's Kirsty telling Kyle that her her father visited her, right? And at this point, she still thinks that corpse is her dad. No, uh, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't know why she she thinks that corpse is her dad. I don't. Uh, I don't know either. I just now, as soon as you realize that, realize that in my notes. Yep. I wrote down that it was Frank. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. It's definitely Frank. But but to her, the whole time, she still thinks that's her dad. Up until a much, so much later part in the film. Kirsty's an extremely strong character. She this, is. This entire film is full of strong females. I would agree with you 100%. But they're not always the smartest. Nope. And like I said, I think, she unfortunately for her, she might be very much motivated mostly by hope. <laughs> yeah. she's. Uh, I think her whole point in the first two films is all about her dad. It's all about her dad. Uh, so she's strong, but she's just, she's not seeing the bigger picture. No, no, she's, she's definitely not. She's She's got a narrow sight, and that's her dad. And she's missing the whole bigger picture, which and, everybody I mean, else seems to I mean, realize. Really, this only happened like, like you said, at most a week ago, and she yeah. only now snapped out of her psychotic fit. Exactly. So she's still dealing with the grief. Like you, she hasn't fully accepted it. Really. No, because like I said, there's a there was a lot of death going on in that first movie. A lot of fucked up death. Yeah, and the whole point of Julia bringing home these strange men, keeping them up in that fucking weird attic room. You know, and then everything else that occurred, uh, you know, anywho, we, like I said, it, it goes into her telling, like I said, Kyle, that uh, her father 
who we know as Frank, visited her and is still suffering and that she needs to get him and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so anyhow, I think that's when he's like, you know, I'm going to, I need to talk to Dr. Channard. He can help you with this. And he goes down there. Yep. He goes down the he hallway. And hears the, the doctor planning something with the sheriff to do the mattress, drop yeah. it off at his he place. He explicitly says, drop it off at my place. We'll talk about it later or something Not like that. Not at the hospital. It, at my place. At my place. So he's alluding that the mattress is going to get taken to his place. Um, I think that's when Kersey starts explaining how it all started with Frank. And it's just a bunch of flashbacks again. Going to a montage. There's like a, mon- a lot of montages, but it, they make sense because like so they, they all tie into how all this shit's happening, why it's happening. And it's her, it's her piecing together all the shit that she didn't see in the first movie. Exactly. Like you see... Uh, She's like, this had to have happened. Her dad marrying Julia. This had to have happened. Them having an affair with Frank. Exactly. So she's hovering it and explaining it while we're seeing it. And this, I believe, is where we also get the sex scene. Yeah, and we do. Julia and Frank are banging, banging it out. They are. They're getting their freak on. And I think, like, she even... There's certain parts in this film, too, where she does it, where she, like, kind of rubs her finger on his lips in a certain mm-hmm. way. In that certain way. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, you're right. Like, it's just... The whole montage is explaining, like I said... Where she's filling in the gaps of how all the how everything started with her and her family, and then it goes through her involvement later on of making exactly. the deal with Yeah, it shows like where and like Frank so even Frank solving the puzzle, what he all wanted. He got hell. She explains like he wanted hell. He got hell. Yeah, um, and he basically started all that shit. Like I said, with the Cenobites, uh, it shows how Frank came back. You know, with with her dad bleeding out on the fucking stairs and shit. Moving that mattress upstairs. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that that's where that mattress. mattress comes in place. It's her daddy. For what? Like when I, I remember going back and watching the first one, I was like, "God damn, that's a big ass nail just sticking out of that damn handrail that nobody's noticing." And he runs right into it, and that's what opens up that gash, and he bleeds, bleeds out on the floor. Over, yeah, and that's what brought back Frank. Um, so that's that. Like I said, that shows all of that stuff. Um, and then, like you're right, it shows where where Kirsty wanted to help uh, get Frank for the Cenobites because he started all the shit and she knows how to get them. Well, she's like, yeah, don't fuck with me and my shit. Like, yeah. Let me just get this motherfucker. Yeah. He's one that you want because he opened the box, you know? Mm-hmm. But she finds a way how to, how to solve the puzzle, apparently, and get the, uh, you know, like I said, the, the, the Cenobites back into hell or maybe back in that uh, extra dimension that they come from. And she's like, do you believe me? Yeah, am I crazy? <laughs> you know, and I think even Channard, he's like, um, he explains like he doesn't like to use that term. There's a lot much more that he needs to do. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we cut to, then we cut to what uh, you immediately assume is the doctor's home. Yeah, it does. Uh, I like it. It's I a like pretty place. cool I pad, place. man. Yeah, because the whole point, like, there's a camera panning, like, all throughout his, maybe his living room up to his that his, sort of his occult room. Yeah, occult room. Yeah, that's what I mean because that's basically he's got all his goodies in there. And then we kind of see, I think, um, like, like Kyle's going in 
with right, a well, screwdriver. The, the doc's apparently studying the mattress. In the oh, yeah, he certainly is. He's certainly looking at the mattress right, because he's got of, it. And if you sit there and you start looking around, there's see, a bunch like, of Alistair strange Crowley, shit. Yeah, all kinds of cool shit. Alistair Crowley right by the window. Yeah, it's pretty cool stuff. You're right. Uh, like, a lot of Egyptology. A bunch of shit on the walls. Awesome stuff. And, and you, you start like, realizing, cold. like, oh, the doc's into some strange shit. Yeah, he has a purpose with this mattress. You're absolutely no right. he wants this mattress. It does. Yeah, you're right. It goes right to that mattress in that room that where Chandler's at, you know, like I said, observing it. Um, I'm not sure if he, like, he goes off... Or walks off or whatnot, uh, the doctor. But that's where Kyle kind of sneaks in and breaks in with like a little flathead screwdriver. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he might have got it at Dollar General or something. He just keeps looking around. Weird. Yeah, like weird. Fucking weird. Fucking weird, man. Fucking weird. Weird. And you're like, God damn it, Kyle. Yeah, I'm like, damn, Kyle, really? But you know, I mean. You see like a picture yeah, a of the box, of too. Yeah. And you're like, oh. Yeah, he sees all that stuff, man. He even like stumbles upon what I put the in, in glassed or encased glassed uh, boxes. There's like three of them. Yeah, there's three of them. It's like Jesus, Christ. and that's one of the things in this movie where I'm like, oh my god, boom, yeah, mind blown. What else can you do? Like, yeah. do these boxes do different things? Do more they call than the same one thing? box. Like, I think, like I said, I think the more that you understand it, because even throughout, you get to see that as well. But this is the first time where you see multiple boxes. And as far as the mythology goes, at least into the comics that I read, there are multiple objects that can call forth the Cenobites. That is so, pretty awesome. Uh, not all of them are necessarily boxes, but there yeah. are definitely boxes. So, I thought it was pretty cool, man. Like I said, you're right, because of the first one, you only see the single box. This time we're seeing three boxes, and Chandler has it. And this is where Kyle's like, Jesus Christ. But, uh, <laughs> but as he's flipping through the notebook, yeah. I, I, uh, some of the headlines caught my eye. Uh, and the the one was there was a puberty link to psychic phenomena one. Yeah. And I started to read the article, and the first sentence was something really fucked up, and it was like, uh, thirty seven delinquents await execution. What? Damn. <laughs> uh, for something something. Uh, but then as you read through it, it it's actually just like uh, an article that they swiped about. Crime rates amongst children who have been physically abused okay. and the need for more studies into certain parts of it and shit. Yeah, you're right. He finds like the newspaper clippings of Labyrinth of the Mind, the Child another, Psychics, uh, Death, uh, Death, Death the, the fourth. fourth Dimension. Exactly. Uh, we also see, I think, um, where the doctor is going back into that maintenance room and picking out his patient for maybe the mattress oh right yeah yeah he picks that guy out and like i said yeah kyle's finding all that stuff in the in the scrapbook including a picture of, of elliot spencer elliot spencer you're right and i think there was like maybe um a stamping or something some kind of imprint of uh the box maybe like one of the uh the sides of the box on a, on the oh, that scrapbook yep. and he's like you know he's kind of like what's going on here you know maybe like he sees the boxes there on the, in the glass cases. He sees it here in the notebook. He's wondering what the fuck's going on. I think that's even when he starts seeing that diagram. Maybe of a pinhead. Yeah, exactly. And you're like, huh, that's... It's, it's interesting. Hmm. And you, and you wonder where somebody would have even gathered that information and yeah and lived to pass it on, maybe? And yeah, it is, it's very strange. Like I said, he has all this information. Uh, but I think we hear like the doctor maybe coming back with the patient who's... You know, yeah, so he hides apparently distressed. The oh yeah, he as soon as he hears a doctor coming, he sneaks behind these these big ass curtains. And you, uh, it made me almost wonder, like, 
Does he does he have experience like hiding from, from jealous husbands? It's a possibility. Yeah, uh, well, he had that handy screwdriver, so this is not the first time he's broken in. What is there? Did he? Did oh, I guess he did overhear the doctor making that deal. I guess that explains yeah, why he would have went out. Exactly. I wanted to see For what the mattress I was wondering was about. if he was just creeping. No, no, he he knew that. Yeah, he overheard about the mattress going That's back to his right. house. He overheard it. Yeah. For a second, I was, I was really hoping for a second that he was just creeping. But... He wanted some vinegar. <laughs> uh. But yeah, no, anyhow, yeah, uh, the doctor comes in with that patient who's and it's just the delirious. Yeah, it's the bug guy. He's, he's still he's screaming. Out. Yeah, he's bugging. Uh, he's my bugaboo. Nah, he, he's basically, you know, still screaming that he wants them to get him off. Like, he needs to get them off of him. They're on me. All this other shit, you know, he's carrying on. And so the doc goes over. Yep. Give them like a like them like a straight blade. Yeah. Just hand it to him. Some folks call it a sling blade. Man. I call it. Yeah. <laughs> I like it, man. I saw a pretty cool picture of, of him for for the movie Blade Sling Blade. Nice. But uh, but yeah. Anyhow, <laughs> you're right. He gives uh, the the doctor Channard gives that the crazy guy uh, the straight blade, and he starts going to ham on his chest. And he's yeah, got like, like these gnarly open wounds. Ah. Oh, well, he's. They start showing it from his point of view, and yeah. he looks like he's trying to scrape like all these like centipedes and maggots yeah, exactly. and shit off of him. Yeah, his point of view, he thinks there's bugs and insects and everything else crawling out from him. Uh, but then when they go back out, like he's cutting himself and stuff, and he starts just smearing blood all over himself. Oh yeah, uh, which at a certain point, that's kind of all he's doing. Yeah, like, they, exactly. They he's just slashing himself a little bit. They, it's not like they start. Hardcore. But we get the idea what he's doing. They start just backing off on the effects, and it yeah. looks like he's slicing at himself, but all yeah, he's, he's really doing is smearing the blood around. Yeah, you're right. He, <laughs> that's all he's doing. But, uh, yeah, like, as soon as he starts doing that, he's, like, laying back on the bed, and I think the doctor's kind of maybe mosing off in a, another little corner of the room, observing what's going on. And um, I think at this point, that's when uh, he, like, Kyle witnesses the horror of how they're bringing back Julia because she wraps that guy up almost right. like an also, MMA just, lock. Just <laughs> arms pop out, arms grab pop up. She even locks her legs, legs around him, Wrap man. around. She got, she got the hooks in on the legs, man. And then she just like, so they sort of pop out. And yeah, they kind of wrestle around floor. a little bit. Yeah, it's weird. And she's um, all like, help me. And yeah. Like, she does. And like, um, even that, that the, the patient guy, he's got all the bugs on him in his mind. He starts going toward that courtroom uh, near Kyle, like even reaching out to it. He gets pulled back in. Uh, she sucks his soul or whatever the hell she well, does. She she does the first instance of she she takes her hand and she just pops it in through the yeah, back of his she head. She does. She she that's the first time that you I guess you kind of see what she does uh, as far as getting because it comes up again. Oh, several times. But she just boom just pops her hand. Yeah, in right the in the back of, back of the like so right where your I guess your your stem would be and she somehow sucks out some sort of energy exactly a life force possibly uh yeah I, I wrote down that she feasts basically and that's basically what she's doing she's just trying to regain uh her strength coming out the mattress why not mm-hmm. and then she she turns she's like help me yep and he kicks her to the bed and she crawls on it and sort of writhes around for a bit, which was kind of weird. Cause yeah, she gets she gets back that. on that mattress and starts like, and she's all skinless and, and shit. Yeah, she's all she is. She's like she reminded me of like um, like Mr. Goodbody without the hair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can see all her muscles and whatnot, but she has no skin, like you said. And uh, 
She does. She she engulfs herself of that gore that's on the bed of the mattress, and then sort of stands up. Tells um she tells him not to be not to be scared. She's like, don't be scared of me. And she sort of sits there for a second. She she sort of just comports herself. And yeah, she's getting her shit together basically. And then she's fine. Yeah, she's Bas- fine. I mean, she's I mean not completely fine, but she's basically. But no, fine. she's got herself together, and I think at that point Kyle's already snuck off. Like he saw his entrance and his exit. Boom! Right there and then. But uh, then even like it goes to a, a really quick scene of of Tiffany. She's like solving another puzzle, like um like this these little cube series of cubes that have like this black and white image. Oh, yeah. And uh, I think too, it's still kind of ominous and uh, toward that psych war. Like there's lightning and like kind of the, that symphonic music that kind of. And at gives this it that point, score. like okay, you said it earlier. Like at this point, seeing Tiffany solve another puzzle, yeah, if it's not obvious that that's kind of her point in this movie. Then, and, then yeah, maybe you need to rewind it and start again. <laughs> but no, like seriously, like like that's her purpose. She solves puzzles, and it it pays owe to the whole reason why there's boxes in this film. Um, but then it kind of cues back to Julia. and She's, I guess, she's like observing herself in a mirror in the living room of mm-hmm. uh, Chandler's home. Yeah, she smashes the mirror. Um, you even see like handprints on the wall. I think he observes it, and uh, she's like, "I'm cold." <laughs> she tells yeah. him that, <laughs> and so he starts off and gets her some clothes. Yeah, he gets her some clothes. But she like looks kind of weird, uh, and she's like, "Do I look strange and shit?" Yeah, and it's, it is weird, man. Like, because she he's got those electric heaters going. She comes out in there's like this white, uh, almost like a business suit. But it's all bloodstained and shit. You know, yeah. it's all oh, fucked man. up. Looking. Yeah, it's so fucked up looking. But uh, yeah, I liked it though. I it think I make cool. a, I think I make a note about it later on. But since we're talking about this scene and I'm thinking about it, yeah, man, this reminds me of one of the things that Clive Barker does really well in a lot of his movies, and it's give the villains uh, a sense of actually being people. Yeah. Or and really finding ways for you to to identify with with the other. Uh, yeah, I mean exactly. I think it gives it a good uh, way to personify, like I said, the villain, as opposed to make them something that's uh, more demonic or. Because wasn't wasn't Nightbreed also? Yeah, yeah, that's a good movie, man. Which is an amazing movie, and it's all about the others being the good guys, really. Exactly. Um, that's a great film, man. Now, that's a good one. And I believe, I mean, a lot of it comes, and possibly even the fact that this movie is filled with strong, strong female characters. Oh, no is, doubt about uh, it. Clive Barker is an openly gay man who knows very much about being the, the other yeah. in, in and the he industry. Pays, I think he pays a good ode through, through uh, like I said, some of the characterizations he's using in these films for the, the characters. Gives them some very strong leads. Like you're right. The the, uh, the the women in these films are they're strong central characters throughout the series, and and everybody gets uh, unless they are in fact true monsters. Yeah. Everybody gets something that makes them feel fleshed out and purposeful exactly. and like people. I, I agree. That's uh, pretty cool, man. Rather than just these these objects to be used and such. Yeah, exactly. Like I said, I think that like I said, even later on, we kind of get that sense as well. Um, but yeah, like I said, she, she's coming out and like I said, in that, that suit and, uh, I think she starts to, uh, she starts to sip on wine and she's like, ah, wine. And then she walks over and I'm she, wondering, oh, with all of this shit, like yeah. she doesn't have any skin. No, man. not at all. Like, Just, but she still has that lips. fabric <laughs> has to be 
hurting just being on her skin. Right? You would imagine like, like she has nerve endings that she would feel that shit. The wine, like the alcohol. Yeah. Oh yeah. The burn. Right. Like, cause what's if her she's already skinless and yeah. it was done by supernatural means anyway. Like you have to imagine like the inside of her is all fucked up in some oh, way yeah. too. I would imagine so. So that wine going down must have just been one of the worst well, feelings what about her like even smoking his cigarette like she snatches his cigarette that he's smoking on yeah she puffs on it you know so oh, i mean the heat on her on her non-lip lip <laughs> it's, like, it's i you know there's some there's some technical stuff that they you know well and i'm i, I mean she's used to it at this point she's been playing oh man like <laughs> i i bet that this is like heaven be, i was like, gonna say took the words out of my mouth this is like heaven to her right now sipping wine smoking cigarettes and it may may burn a little bit compared to what she might have experienced. Right, like it's it's absolute hell for like what we would think about right now. Like, well, precisely, man. That's a good point. I've I've accidentally cut off like a little bit of skin. Oh like, yeah, that shit hurts. And or like you know like you get like pool bottom foot yep. and you end up losing that little strip of skin for like huh. a week. You know what's gonna happen? It's like a quarter inch by like an inch. Yeah, and it burns. And it hurts no exactly. matter what you do. Every little bit of pressure. It's going to hurt. Because you're just straight up just missing <laughs> <Full> that <foot. laughs> skin. We've all been there, right? Like, oh, no doubt. That's what I'm laughing at. I was like, because I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> you but you're right, foot. man. It just sucks. <laughs> and no, and that shit sucks. You lose that skin for like a week. And it's the worst. It it's burns so bad it's all the time. The hell opened and up for your foot. <laughs> all the, any pressure hurts. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're exactly. Walking weird, like you're, you're limping, <laughs> king of the gimps, just going to town. <laughs> and that's her whole body. Yeah, exactly, man. So any any slight pressure, even like wind, would fuck her up. You would think, you know, just the slightest fart might knock her out. You know, but um, but then you think of what she's already been through. Exactly. Then then it's like this is. Like I said, this is heaven to her, but to us, it's, I don't know, it's fucked up, <laughs> either way you look at it. Uh, but then, yeah, like, then the doctor starts applying gauze, like the the bandages, whatnot. Yeah, it's kind of sweet and touching, really. Yeah, it's, he's it's... giving her a little, you know, little TLC, you know. Uh, what he's doing, he's trying to keep her warm, because that's, she said she was cold. Uh, but the way he, he wraps her up makes her look like a mummy. <laughs> you know? I, I wrote down that it was like a mix between the mummy yep. and the invisible man. Yeah, that's a good point too. The Invisible Man's a good, another good one. Uh, yeah, because of those bandages, but also the way that she she doesn't look overly mummified. No, you know, uh, which would she, give creep to the Invisible Man. And she she goes for it. Now, oh yeah, they start to dance. A... They're making out and shit. You know, she's like, now all I need is some skin. Like maybe she means more than skin, but. You know, she pushes I, I, him up against the wall. You know what's funny? Kiss, she yeah, makes, she makes him feel her up. Yeah, like I, I saw him like lift up her dress or whatever she was wearing that little skirt, mm -hmm. like started you know following her breasticles. Yeah, it was kind of. He was digging it. I, I don't know how much he was digging it at first, but I think he digs it later on. No, like yeah, at first he was like, oh, okay, <laughs> maybe. He's like, but you're right, because it's like, man, that's you're right. Now I need some skin. Yeah, she does. She mentions that that's all she needs now is some skin. Uh, this is after, like I said, they're they're making out, dancing, and all this. And good now stuff. Kyle's back. Yep. Uh, with Kirsty, and he's like, "It's all true." Yep. I, he's like, "I believe you." Yep. Um, uh, I'm a believer. She's like coming out of the shower at this uh, point too, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. And like she's like she goes over to get some clothes, and she's got no clothes. She's like, 
being like, damn, he's like, don't worry, I can get some clothes. You know, she's I'm a doctor. she's pretty good looking, and she's <laughs> yeah. he's not even thinking about it. No, no, no. He's like, she, uh, yeah, I believe you, because guess who just saw some shit? I just saw some shit. I got no clothes. Ah, <laughs> uh, dress. <laughs> he's like, oh, uh, I can go get that for you. I'm, I'm a, a doctor. doctor. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Like, man, if this guy was in the sub oblivious, man. Um, but yeah, like I said, it, it's just some of those some of those little acting scenes. Like I said, I thought it was kind of funny. That was a kind of a quirky line, which you know he he has a couple of them coming up. But um, yeah, he goes off to I guess to get some clothes for her, or whatever. And then he explains what he saw at Chandler's. I guess as she's like getting buttoned up and dressed up or not. And she's like she's like it's not fair. Um, she's like I need the box. Oh yeah, well he mentions that the doc has three boxes. Yeah, guess what? He's got a three. Yeah, and she's, and she's like, like, "Oh, I'm going." <laughs> like, guess who's going to doc? Whatever place? little spark she had, that thing ignited. Like when she heard three, <laughs> you know, he's like, and like so here's another little exchange that they have that's really quirky. I mean, it's it's I like the I like the the lines, but it's quirky. Is um, you know, uh, he's like, as, as soon as she darts for the door, he stops her. He's like, "Are you crazy?" He's just like, "I don't know, Kyle." Aren't you a fucking expert? <laughs> you know, I thought that was so funny, man. Well, and right before they get out of there, he like weirdly like comes on to her. A little yeah, bit. he he kind of does. You know, and he's like, like she, he's like, well, he tells her to think about it. She's like, when I think, I hurt. <laughs> you know, she's a, like, she says some some cryptic weird shit sometimes. Uh, but you're right. Um, she says that to him, and then he he drops like. A little line, you know, and she's like, he's like, I, what did he say to her? He says something like, um, he needs to, like, give her, give me two seconds. I'll be right back. He comes back. He's like, all right, I'm ready to go. And she's like, you don't have to do that. <laughs> he says, uh, what do you say? How does he say? <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I know. I'm like, oh, man, did he really just do that? Knock it off, Han. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I was like, man, did he really just drop a Han Solo line? Like, I know. You are not Han. And you know, and you know what even gave more credit to the fact that he that he might have done that is the fact that he, like, gave her, her chin a little pinch. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, the other thing is, too, oh, come is on, that man. this is the first point where it's really obvious that he's yeah. only really, like, he's trying to look hard to sort of try to impress her. You know, and I think because that later too, on, I mean, we'll get there here in a little bit, yeah. but I'll point out, like, this is his first instance. He's like, look, I'm only going to, like, you see him make up his mind on his oh, face. Yeah. Like, if she's going to do this, then I have to be the big strong man protecting her. Oh, yeah, I have to be the And later mate. on, when he's inspecting the place, he's not going to go into a room. No. He's <laughs> like, well, He excuses like himself shit. to go check out the place, and then he's not actually going to go do no, it. He's he... just going to go act like he did it so that he can pretend to be... I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go out there. Uh, but that's sort of... You see this happen on his yeah. face during this scene. You do. You kind of... You, I think you start to realize maybe his uh, his future. So, yeah, but that goes on. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think at this point, too, like, after they have that little quip together about themselves, I think this is where the doctor has another victim chained up for Julia, like this uh, Latina-looking lady. Like, oh, yeah. Decent-looking lady. Yeah, you know, I was like, hold up. Wait a minute. Is that, I mean, like, that, that was a good dinner, I would imagine. But, um, yeah. Well, it, and it, then it kind of goes into a really quick mini-montage. It does. Where you see that he's... Brought down quite a few victims. Quite a few fucking victims, man. There's uh, a bunch of. In which you realize <laughs> it, you realize it must Multiple have been of them, dude. in very quick order. 
you know, that's, it that's had to have been all point. in the same night, I think, for everything to line up correctly. There was not much time had passed from the time where he had bandaged her up to the point where, you know, Kyle seen all that stuff and reporting back. You're right, man. There's no way. And there's like, I don't know how many victims. There was like maybe think five, like six, seven. seven. There was a bunch of them. There was multiple multiples <laughs> and there you see very much that they're all sort of missing pieces of they are you, you can definitely see that and they're all chained up too by the hands that's mm-hmm. something that i noticed and you see and then he unveils julia yep for the best worst makeover is what i wrote down because it looks like her it looks like she looks, she's looking pretty good for being no, her you know she is it's it's funny because you're right like she, but she if you're goes taking to, skin, just take all the skin off that first gal. It's so funny, man. Like she, like he even like starts playing with her hair. She starts playing with her hair, like you know, like I'm back. <laughs> and so she, what, oh, she chose man. the parts of everybody that looked the most like her. I guess and so. Magic, it's her. Magic. I got my skin. I got my hair. I got everything. That's back. the only way I can explain that. It, I I don't know how they explain logically, but yeah, I mean. She's back after he cut all but the bandages off. But we see in the first movie that Frank was just able to put on the skin yeah. of the chick. Yeah. Of not the of no, the, no, it of, was her, not, of her father, her dad. Yeah. I was thinking later on. Uh, I I interrupted my no, own no, thought. No, no, it's okay. I, I know what you're I getting. I interrupted at. my own thought. I know you're at. Later on, yep. I mean, we're in the spoiler section of the show, so yeah. Uh, Kirsty puts on Julia's skin. Oh yeah, completely no problem. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and like you so weren't Julia, even noticed. Julia, one victim, the prettiest one of the lot. Yeah, who's the prettiest gal in the movie? Possibly. Arguably, yeah. I would. There I would, you go. It's arguable that she is. There you go. But you, I mean, you grab a couple like fifty-year-old guys. I think were <laughs> yeah. included in that mix to there put were together quite Julia. A few men. Um, yeah, there was. You know, how do you how oh. do you pick those victims to to put together a Julia? Well, you know that's a good point. Uh, you know, well we we already know the fact that he's got his maintenance room, so maybe he's just pick, picking more out of that. Uh, I don't know, man. He so was assembling a, a build a Julia workshop. Uh, apparently, man, he, he had a right to work. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, he had he had him pumping up, man. But uh, yeah, I think after like you said, we see all those victims, and then the unraveling of Julia. Um, I think. Th- I'm not sure if he sneaks off, but somehow Kyle and, and uh, Kirstie sneak into Chandler's home. Yeah, as he's leaving out. Mm-hmm. And um, I think as they're looking around. Well, she... And this is when they're looking around. She sees the boxes and immediately goes for them. Mm-hmm. And he's like, not till I check out the house. Yeah, exactly. That's the first thing she sees is those, bo- those boxes. You're right. She darts right for him. He's like, nope, you don't do anything until I explore the home. Uh, he, uh, he goes upstairs. Like you said, this is the part where you were talking about. He goes to reach for that door, and the whole time you see what's what's behind the door, but he hasn't. Mm-hmm. He doesn't you even hear the buzzing. Yeah, you know, the flies. Like you, he's like, "Oh fuck this shit!" I already know. And it, as soon as he starts to turn away, Julia yeah. comes up behind him. And and then she, the way she does this, she's very conniving. She's very mischievous. But she, to to him, he doesn't know any better. He doesn't even know who she is. She's like, "I didn't mean to frighten you." She's like, "Don't open that door." Uh, She's like, it's just like I can't remember how she describes this, but she's like, it's terrible things behind that door or something like uh, that. Basically, she makes him go, "All right, I'm gonna have to be the big strong man and yeah. open the door." Yeah, and he does, which I was supposed to do in the first place, and then pushed out and wasn't gonna do, and yeah. now I'm gonna go do it. Yeah, and he does. Like she's she's enticing him to do it 
by saving the fact that there's terrible things behind yeah. it. You're right. So he enters the corpse room and he's just like, he's stunned. He's like, he stops in his footsteps basically at the terror. And it's obvious that she's happy that he went in. Oh she, yeah. She's, she's very pleased that he went in there. And I think not like it's any surprise to us. We know that Julia at this point. Is yeah, and then it's, good, so. and then they start having like a short little conversation. I mean, it's nothing big, big deal. Like you know, they're explaining whatnot. I think there's a quick scene of uh, Kirsty kind of she stumbles upon the scrapbook with, with the pinhead notes and shit. Exactly, May, possibly like I said, possibly for her making a connection back to that. This is pinhead because she sees Elliot Spencer. She sees that. Um, the, the diagram. The diagram of, you know, like I said, of where the pins apparently go, whatnot. She's like, oh, maybe, maybe this is, you know, a connection. Talk yeah. this picture. Well, I'm oh, gonna get I think it. that comes yeah. in a second, but yeah. Yeah, but basically. that's basically what she does. Uh, so it goes back to Julia and Kyle. They're back in the room. She asks Kyle if it's terrible. Was I right? Is it yeah. terrible? It was look right? awful. Come here. Oh, yeah. She said, you poor boy, come to mother. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was creepy. Come to mother. And he does. And she's like, what's your name? I'm Kyle, I'm Julia, and then then she does she proceeds to put her fucking hand on the back of his skull. Yep, sucks his life force, and then I think you get to see some pretty cool well, graphics. Yeah, too, she man. she kisses him. Yeah, and she does. does the head thing at the same Boom. time. She's she's tilting, yeah, like motherly giving him some mouth and sucks his life force, and you can tell because they do a close oh, yeah. up on the face and it looks. You see all bubbling like... like of his neck, and his face is getting really pale and distorted coloring. Yeah. Like I said, the, the, I thought the special effects on the makeup was great in this film. Oh, yeah. Great. Uh, throughout, for the most part. Yeah, there, dude. There's maybe one or two parts where it looks kind of iffy. Yeah. But. yeah, but I mean, other other than that, yeah, this it, it looks really good, man. But yeah, you see Kyle, he's getting fucked up, and then he finally slumps over. Yeah, so we, Kirsty hears that thud coming from upstairs from where Kyle slumped over. And pockets. Pockets the, like, so the photograph of... Um, Elliot Spencer. She heads upstairs as she enters what I what I described as the corpse room. Is she sees Kyle and then she's like, "Oh no, not again!" Like she starts to realize that this is the same shit that happened in the first film, right? And then there's Julia, and Julia <laughs> goes off on this fucking man. She just goes off on a pretty good. Up, she does just throwing man. that whole fairy tale thing back in, which she wasn't around for. No, but no, you it's know, still nice. I like some of her lines because I wrote them down. I thought they were they were interesting. She even tells her, she's like, "You have good taste in men, Kirsty." Yeah, she's like, "They didn't tell you they changed the rules of the fairy tale." Um, you know that she's like said she's she's going ham on her. She's like. I'm no longer the evil stepmother. I'm the no, queen. Yeah, I'm the evil queen. Yeah, and like you can tell that's pissing off Kirsty, right? And then she's like, "Take your best shot, Snow White." And she oh, bitch she... slaps the fuck out of her. Bam! She knocks does. the fuck out. I thought it was funny because she, like, said she gets uh, Kirsty so riled up and she charges at her, and she does. She kind of one hand back slaps her, <laughs> and then the doctor shows up and he's like, "Oh, hey, guess who's he? Who's he with?" Tiffany. He's with Tiffany. Now it's my turn. Yep, and now it's my turn. I thought that was pretty cool, man. How that, how that kind of scene closed out. No wonder out. he's had Tiffany all this time. Exactly. We're he's about to find out. This shit. He knows he can't figure this out. He's about to find out. So yeah, we go from like say where Kirsty's got knocked out. Things are clicking into place, and very soon they will be clicking. They into will place. be because we see Tiffany. She's observing the box in that occult room where Kyle and the mattress and everything's occurred in already and in the house. They're looking in through like a like a. Port like hole. a mirror porthole, yeah. Yeah, like a like a two like a one way mirror porthole. Yeah, that's a good description of it. Um, and it's like right behind some kind of um, 
almost like a like a I don't know behind a wall of some sort, um, and they're observing uh, Tiffany playing with the box. She's yep, starting right. to solve the puzzle, so to speak. Well, and she solves it pretty quick. Lament she configuration does. right there. Mm. Yep. Got it. She Who starts to solve it? this person. Lament the configuration. Yeah. The box begins to open. Um, you start hearing like the wood in the house start to kind of maybe creak or kind of warp. You know what I mean? A little bit as she's doing that. Um, I think even Julia asked the doctor if this is what he wants. You know, he's like, I always wanted this. I have mm-hmm. to see. I have to know. And then the walls themselves sort of open up all around. Oh, yeah, man. Little. So little, I, I, maybe yeah. I should have thrown this out it's earlier okay. Go ahead, during man. the uh, How Does This Make You Squeal. Yeah, but yeah. the Hellraiser movies, in a way, have always kind of reminded me of the Phantasm movies. Yeah, I can where see that. Where yeah, once the shit starts going down, like reality itself is kind of being warped to an extent. No like, doubt. It is all around them. For the most part, the people involved are only involved because they made themselves involved. Yeah, uh, Phantasm. He's a little bit more malicious, but so is Pinra- uh, Pinhead in the later entries of the series. Exactly, but uh, up to this point, not so much. It's like they're more enticing the idea of bringing them forth, which is what exactly what exactly just happened. Yeah, this is exactly what's happening as she's unraveling Tiffany's un- unraveling the box and opening it up. Like so, you see the electricity pulsating, the winds kind of howling. Uh, I think even think it. it finally shatters that uh, that porthole that they're looking through. And like I said, the walls start to open. And then that's when the Cenobites start to exit yep. through those First like see open the tunnels. Yep. Then you see Butterball. Yeah. Uh, then you see the lady. Exactly, female Cenobite. And, and then she's sharpening a knife. You she is. See. She's got a, like, like you're right, she's got a knife sharpening it up. And then you see Penhead. Yep. He, and then he exclaims like, wait. Yeah, no. She, well, she's about to kill Kirsty. Yeah, not, Kirstie, not Tiffany. Tiffany. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you know, and uh, apparently anybody who summons them wants them for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anybody. But you're right. Pinhead exclaims, "You know, this is not the hens that call us. It is desire." desire. Yep, exactly. And then he starts to look over to where that porthole, where Julia and Doctor Chenard were observing. Tiffany they, the whole time. They fucked off, though. They did. They because, fucked off through that. Well, a portal opened up behind them as they well. They did. It did. All around them in that room. Behind them, the doors started to open up portals through the walls and all that shit. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, they, they went and fucked off down this little uh, labyrinth tunnel complex. Yeah, this corridor thing. Uh, kind of, I wrote I wrote corridor, yeah. and then once you see the above shot, I wrote labyrinth corridor. Oh, you definitely know it's it's a corridor. Because a, a couple of the corridors change a little bit, so they do. they're not, but the labyrinth corridors always look the same. So. Absolutely. Um, and at that point, after they're kind of dicking off through those hallways, uh, you know, escaping the whole scene, um, the, the box starts to close on itself as uh, Tiffany starts to look into like a tunnel that she wants to go through, like one of those walls that opened up. Mm-hmm. She wants to go through it, and that's what she does. Um, we see Kirsty; she awakens from that room that she was in where she got bitch slapped. Which uh, is one with all the hanging victims. Exactly. And you see like, um, you know, kind of light emanating from some of the, the cracks in the wall from where the, the wood is, you know, the frame of the mm-hmm. room. Um, and they like, she's, she knows exactly what's going on. I think she um, she picks up the box, which is in the next room. So, like she gets out of that room, she picks up, uh, like I said, a box. I don't know if it's the cult room that they were in, 
Or I think it was. Box? I think she okay. goes in there. That was like, it was weird because almost it alluded to the fact that she was just right in the next room, like right yeah. next to them. Uh, I'm not sure. And maybe it it's weird. because of the way that those interdimensional. You know, it could have closed in on itself. That's uh, a good point. I'm not point. sure. But no, she goes in there. She grabs up yeah. the. One of the puzzle boxes. The puzzle box. Yeah. Uh, she starts calling she, for her daddy. She ca- starts calling for her daddy, daddy and starts heading down one of the corridors as well. Yeah, she's she because she has a she labyrinth. has a pretty no. good idea that the labyrinth isn't just the labyrinth, but no. that it is hell. Exactly. She she knows more than any other character, you know, as opposed to Julia at this point. Um, yeah. So as she's doing that, she's and it kind of is hell. It is. I mean, yeah, exactly. Regardless of whose it is, it is hell, mm-hmm. uh, a hell of sorts. Um, <laughs> then we kind of, I think after. After Kirsty goes and like say into the hallway looking for her daddy, uh, Tiffany kind of goes and hears like this carnival music that's playing, and then she enters into like this carnival aspect of the uh, of the labyrinth or of that tunnel complex, mm-hmm. and then she enters a room that has a series of mirrors. Oh yeah, she's in the mirror room, and you start seeing flashes up of a woman that yeah. As soon as she starts saying "Help my daughter," you assume it's you would assume daughter. that was exactly, and she keeps repeating that. She's like, "I need you to help my daughter." Um, but then you see like this old, what I put an old carny, almost a guy that might be like a clown or some kind of juggler. I forgot shit. to write a note about him, but I remember it was exactly what you talk about. Yeah, yeah, he's sitting on this stage, like accused of like him sitting on a carnival stage, and he's juggling just two eyeballs. He's not really juggling; he's just tossing them back and mm-hmm. forth. And they finally land in his palms, and as each one lands in his palms, they're filled with blood, and it reveals that he has no eyeballs in his sockets. That might be his eyes. Um, And then it cues back into that mirror room, um, you know, with with Tiffany. I felt like the scene kind of alluded that she might have seen her mother get killed. I think so too. Like maybe the eyes coming out could be, you know, her way of maybe not one of the ways they cut between different things because it kind of kind of fucks around for a little bit. It does. And you end up seeing like a fetus with its mouth sewn shut. Yeah, like so you even see. I think uh, in the mirrors, like there's a hand, like a uh, a gloved hand that goes over her mother's mouth. So it maybe alludes to the fact that she got kidnapped or murdered or some shit. You're Mm -hmm. right. You see a a creepy doll that has like this weird stitching in its mouth. That's stitching its mouth with like a little needle. You know, and then the, a laughing clown going yeah. back across those mirrors again, and then the glass shattering. It does, and then uh, now she. But then starts... she's just walking down a corridor. Yeah, and now she walks down to the next part of the. And lab. the <laughs> weird thing is, though, is the corridor changed some when she got to the the carnival section. It did. It did. And it immediately didn't seem like she walked out of the carnival section. It seemed like she was just back in the. Yeah, it's, it is in weird. the labyrinth corridor. Because yeah, you're right. She just appears into a different. The whole different part of the labyrinth, you know, compared to where she was at at that point, that whole carnival section, it's weird. Um, I think that's it was when, cool. Though. I liked it. I think I think that 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 scene was pretty cool. I like carnival scenes. And in I think general. this is the first time you sort of see an above shot. Yeah, you do. And you certainly I, do of where they're panning over the top of that carnival. And it's kind of a giant monster. You realize man. that it's kind of like a city yeah. labyrinth. It's a it's monster, gonna, man. It's it's gigantic. I would say it's about like a like a city complex, and you kind of realize you can piece it together. We've we've hinted at different things that we've we've talked about that that pop up in the future and shit we've already gotten to that have been alluded to in the past. Oh but yeah, this labyrinth is is somebody's hell. Oh yeah, but it seems like this labyrinth is only one person's hell. Exactly, and portions of it might intersect with other it can people's leak into hells. Others. Exactly, but. It's not, it's not everybody's hell. No, no, no. It's, 
I would think it's somebody's one person's hell. Yeah, one person specifically's hell. But we don't know. I mean, we do, but they don't while they're in it. Right, but yeah, and but depending on who that person is yep. and like what their relationships were with other people, Precisely. portions of it might overlap. I, I think that's a great way of describing the, the whole complex, which goes back to being the 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 mind is a labyrinth thing. And, yep, and the more we need to know and find out, the more and, we unlock. And each of the major rooms in here really is is hell in its own little way for yeah. that person. Makes perfect sense. Uh, or the person that it's meant to be for, really. Yeah, and like and like I said, I think the the overlapping part gives it more substance when the characters are in it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like, and then like I said, once she, <laughs> once Tiffany gets out of like, like I said, going from that carnival scene where we can see like said, the whole complex, uh, she goes into that different part of the the labyrinth. Kersey comes out of the like a series of complex tunnels. I guess she has all these various paths that she can go to, and she's kind of freaking out, whatever. And then she appears in a home looking at a picture frame of like her younger self and her, maybe her mother. And then she grabs that picture frame. She's like, Mom. Um, all sorts of blood and shit. Yeah, then yeah, you're right. Out. Blood starts pouring out of all these picture frames. Um, I think there's like even some flowers or some shit. Uh, you hear baby cries, which I thought was kind of weird. You hear it more than one time. This might be the first time that I hear like babies wailing a little bit in this mm-hmm. film. Um, and then the whole room kind of like spins out of control. And as that happening, that's when the Cenobites appear. Yeah. And this is the first, you end up hearing them unfortunately <laughs> say this a couple times oh, in the yeah. movie, but they basically end up telling her that they're done with her shit. Like, yeah. Like, like, look, Kirsty. Look, uh, we know that you didn't call us this time and that you didn't but actually have anything to weird. do. That you're always around when this shit's yeah, going down. You keep showing up here, and we kind of have to do something about that. Yeah, after a little it bit is. Here. I thought it was funny because they were being really smarmy with her, and you know they're like, uh, I think they even alluded to the fact that like, are you teasing us? Maybe. <laughs> you yeah, know? like, uh, you know, we we kind of come to desire, and you're you're treading the line here, basically. Is what oh they're... yeah, I think when when she has that box too, she's kind of like fiddling with it. He's like, he's like, that's not gonna work. You know, we're yeah. already, we're already, we're, we're here. We're here. We're already there. Yeah. <laughs> and he snatches it from her, and he turns it into like that spike-looking puzzle. Now, which we we find out kind of what that oh, yeah. spike is oh, yeah. later. Much later. Well, not much later, but soon enough. And she keeps trying to insist, like, I'm here for my father, and they just laugh at her. Yeah, basically, and like, like, you're, you're dead. not in there. Like, he's no. in his hell. Yeah, you're exactly. in yours. Yeah, exactly. He like, you know, exactly. They're like, your dad's. In his own hell, she's like, "Well, how'd you get here?" He's like, "We've always been here, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we've always been we've here. Always been here. <laughs> we have eternity to know your flesh, <laughs> you know." Eventually, what he says to her, but she, she starts to run off. She does. I think they give her an out. Like she runs off. They shoot a um, a hook at her, and she's like, "I guess she still wants to just find her daddy, basically." Like, and they're like, right. "Look, fine, explore, explore. We'll have come." Fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's when he's like, "We have eternity to enjoy your flesh." Get your little 15 minutes in. I thought the neat thing was was when uh, Pinhead's chain stuck into the wall, the wall bled. Oh, it did. It did. And I thought it was cool, Even though it looked like, like this stone wall that his chain just... Oh, but no, when it hooked, yeah, blood came out of the wall. Or that stone, yeah, that column. So, yeah, after after she runs off, dicks off, uh, we, we get a cue of uh, Dr. Chenard and Julie entering a chamber where he kind of witnesses an orgy going on. You know, like, oh yeah, it was kind of well. It was he a kind weird, of sees this weird three way. It was a three way. It, it wasn't. Orgy. It wasn't really a. 
it was I'm weird. not sure how it was working because so two of them were obviously getting it off facing each other facing each other and one was just kind of like one of them had its back yeah well okay so there was a guy and a gal facing each other yep. and then the other guy had his back to the other guy's back or th- was it the girl's back I think it might have been the, the woman's back and he was like situated like six weird. inches further down than the other two yeah. of them but it kind of seemed like they all were like getting and, something and, out and, of it. The, you the, couldn't <laughs> see the lower halves of their bodies. No, 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 no. You couldn't see. I mean, you knew what they were doing, but you definitely couldn't see anything. They didn't show any nudity other than the fact that they were naked. And it, you could it, see it was her like breasts, this. But... Yeah, and there was a weird kind of like a wavy sequence, almost like this dreamy sequence. And they had events. hooks attached into them. Yeah. Oh yeah, they certainly did, man. It was. I thought it was pretty. But cool I was just curious how third guy was was getting his jollies <laughs> off because it seemed like he was know, yeah no he definitely was he was and in it the seemed like it was somehow yeah like well in the rhythm of what they were doing <laughs> exactly but i don't know how like looking at it i'm not sure what was going on like yeah. is what is what was being obscured like a toy that they were all riding you, you know what's interesting too is the fact that like when he sees the woman and she looks back it's like you know it's a completely different woman and then it kind of cues to be it being Julia. Yeah, it morphs to being Julia yeah, before yeah, she comes up fuck, behind yeah, him. Yeah, and, and she's like, like, I have such sights to show you. Basically, that's how Which, she gets him out of looking at That's a shit. callback to the first film, right? I believe, I believe, I believe you're I right. I believe Pinhead says that, too. I believe you are absolutely Somebody. right. Um, but yeah, uh, that's how she breaks up his little soiree into looking into that little threesome. But you're right, that was weird how that third wheel was... Like I said, he had nothing to do with the experience other than the fact that he was rocking on somebody's back <laughs> to the rhythm of the night. Um, yeah, so as as she, like I said, tells Chinar that she's going to show him sights, um, we see Tiffany. I think she finally catches up to Kirsty. Well, Kirsty's lost in the labyrinth, and she, I had to write this down. Yeah. Because yeah, she kind of, I, I think she leans against a wall for a you second. You can kind of warble a little bit, yeah. You revealing horrible. Yeah, you can definitely tell that that was. Uh, um, it, it's made to look like it's multiple bricks, and I would buy it if one brick warbled, like it's a little yeah. bit loose in the wall. But it bricks warbles in that. a way <laughs> where you see it's pretty much like a textured wallpaper. It is. It definitely is. And I thought that was funny because it happens. I think more than once it after that. In, I believe I. I think I noted three times at yeah. least. Yeah, I think there's a scene with the three women where you can see that as well. But. It's no, funny. Whatever. It, it is funny, whatever. though. Um, yeah, but so, then uh, Tiff jump scares her by showing yeah, up she at does. the very end of that. She does. And uh, let's see. I think Kirsty wants Tiff to, to, like, to close the box to get out of the whole situation. You know what I mean? Um, I think Julia, at this point, takes uh, Dr. Chenard to see Leviathan. That's what I wrote down. Or, like, the, the big god or whatever the hell that oh, spinning yeah, thing is. Oh, yeah, they're heading that way. Yeah. And Kirsty's getting all pissed at, at she's Tiff. Getting, she's she's like, pissy. "We have to help each other." Da, 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 da. Yeah, I, come on. Oh, like she just, even like shakes her a little bit too. I thought that was fucking like, why is she of, doing that? I thought that was kind of fucked up. Yeah, and like the, this guy was kind of like almost non-responsive. Like, yeah, like she's not, she's not, um, she's not, you know, mentally challenged or anything, man. Like you don't have to shake her like yeah. that. You know, it was uh, fucking weird. But yeah, she does. She gets pissy with her, and then they finally 
cooperate to work with each other. But then, yeah, yeah. right after that, Doc, yeah, Julia starts to lead the doctor like the, down and that the little top of that labyrinth, yeah, which you immediately you recognize now from that shot before. Yeah, and, and like it has an open, um, maybe it's like a skyline that you can see now of uh, like I said that spinning object, like it's shaped the same way that Pinhead shaped that the box earlier yeah. out of Kirsty's hand. It's shaped into like it's that the spike. Shape, the same spike prism yeah, thing exactly. is up in the air. And he's like, oh my God. And she's like, oh, not oh. my God. Or not your God, yeah, mine. Mine. And she tells him, she's like, this is the God of flesh, hunger, desire, Lord of the labyrinth. Yeah, this is Leviathan. Leviathan. I was like, all right, I can dig that, man. And then it gets, it's sort of shooting out these beams of darkness. Yeah, oh yeah, it has like this, yeah, exactly like this black radiation As it, seeming from it. It's like a, not like a, not like a light, like the opposite of a lighthouse where it's shining yeah. a, like a beam out that's darkness. And it, one of those hits Canard or, yeah, or Channard. Um, Channard, yeah, Channard. Uh, but you're right, man, it does. And it starts to, um, I guess it goes into a montage or a flashback of him being a kid, like fucking with like I think animals or dissecting I was wondering, animals it, it, or whatever. It went by really quickly because then it also showed some of his like surgery career. Exactly. So what I'm thinking is doing at this point is, is giving you and an idea of his of misdeeds. The too. Yeah, like all his mischievous deeds from his earliest time all the way up to this present time uh, because this is hell. You know, this is the reason why you're in hell. That's what I got from it when they were showing yeah. those flashbacks. Uh, and it even shows a scene of him fucking with Tiffany. Yeah. Who I is that that surgery from the beginning? Exactly, man. Do we maybe? I was thinking, uh, you know, I was thinking because the woman looked a little older, that possibly could have been her mom. Oh right. Well, and then we do get the the help my daughter again, and you're like, okay, yeah. So he's because I saw that that mouth getting covered there. up, and she's like, mommy, you know, mm-hmm. mommy. But she does that, a couple and they're times. out of it. Yeah, and Julia's like, you wanted to know. Yeah, exactly. You wanted to know. Um, so, yeah, it's a wild series of events because he does want to know. I think she kind of, like, comes up to him and this box thing starts to appear behind so, him. yeah, this, this chamber comes up behind yeah, him and it chamber. looks like uh, the like same way cube. the box does, yeah, that the box. cube does when it opens up. Exactly. I'll put an enlarged box, the box. Yeah, thing. which, so, so we know later on he becomes a Cenobite. Yeah, I kind of tipped that off a little early, but I mean to. But uh, so, and uh, the when we saw Elliot Spencer become a Cenobite, he yep. got pulled into the box. Exactly, he did. The, the box pulled him in. This time, so apparently, you have to go into the box to become a Cenobite. I would, I would concur because I would make at this point logical sense. And he does. He goes into the box, and these um, different objects start to kind of like. I wrote that they look kind of like uh, biological stingers yeah. and needles. Exactly. They uh, were kind of piercing him at different angles. And they sort of wrap around him and, yep. and sort of hold him into place. And some other like needles come in and start injecting him. And, like they were experimenting on him, per se. You know? And, oh, then, and then it kind of looked like some... Oh, this weird like thing kind of wrapped in his mouth. Not a grid, but just a... Uh, like these wires, like Some a series of piano wires, wires almost yeah. like guitar, uh, piano cr- wheel, yeah. come across his face and get wrapped across his face. They do. They even yeah, horizontally like they even, in a bunch of lines, like a like a uh, like a music clef. <laughs> yeah, way. there we go. Like a music right. clef. Yeah, I didn't know how to explain. Yeah, it. yeah, all the good stuff. But uh, you're right. It, it does. It fucks him up, and it, we know that he's getting turning into possibly a cinnabite. And as the, the whole time that's happening, um, Julie is explaining that. 
Leviathan wanted souls. That's the whole reason why she came back. Yeah, because he wanted to know. How, he's a how soul. How else do you, did yeah. come back? Yeah, that's like, do you, why. Do you I'm think back. I have the power to get the fuck out of there? Yeah, like, he's like, this is what Leviathan <laughs> wants. Um, so then we go, we cue back to Tiffany and Kurt, uh, Christy. They appear at the door of her father's house, and Tiffany is like, she's like, no, no, no. She doesn't say it, but you know, she doesn't want her or them to go inside of that room. And she's like, look, I'm, I gotta go in. Yep. But if I'm not back out soon, get out. Get the fuck out. Yep. She's like, she's like, go home, get out. You know, basically, that's exactly what she tells her to just get the fuck out if I don't make it back. And as, you know, she's, I guess, coming to the conclusion that, you know, Kirstie's going in, Kirstie opens the door, goes inside, and then you see, like, this lighted, this room, I guess, almost like a. I wrote that it's kind of like a crypt. It is. I would say that's a good way to describe it. It is a crypt room kind of like with a candles. Crypt. Yeah. And you see, like, this series of these vaults with these beds, like, these. I don't know, these platforms kind of like sliding in and out, you know? It reminded me of like a carnival game. Like, yeah. Almost like Whack-A-Mole or something where they're coming out. Or exactly. Like, uh, not Whack-A-Mole, but the one where like uh, alligators would come out and you had to smack their mouths closed. Yeah, exactly, dude. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> Except what they were is what they were. There was white lighted beds. Yep. With, with like these, these writhing, phantom sheeted, women on them yep making moaning sounds yeah like writhing in ecstasy as they're sliding in and out of those little vault chambers and the the sheets were just transparent enough that you could tell that they were naked you could sort of see the outline of nipples Uh, exactly if nudity offends you or i mean this is probably the most wankable scene in the movie to be completely honest which isn't saying much because it's not really but (laughs) but you're right i mean like i said we get to see her like so observing all this what not going on with these sheets. I think she even grabs one of them and it disappears. Yeah, as soon as she reveals, lifts it up, nothing. Yeah, it just reveals like that lighted platform sliding in and out of mm-hmm. that little chamber area that it's coming in and out of. Oh, well, she walks up and she sees that... Uh, I wrote a makeup desk, but I'm sure there's yeah, a better no, no, name no. for it than that. I think it's like a vanity or yeah, something like that. There we go, vanity. Yeah, she sees she that vanity and there's all the messy makeup and shit on Yeah, it. She, I think there's even like some lipstick she observes or some shit mm-hmm. like that. And then she takes a look at... Uh, you see a scribbling in that little vanity mirror. Well, as where, soon as she puts the, ma- the yeah. lipstick down, the lipstick's written on yep. the mirror... I'm in hell, help me. Exactly, which we saw earlier when she was in that uh, her psych ward room of the corpse where she thought was her dad, which we you know we, we know who it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see the same scribbling on that vanity mirror. Um, so like I said, as she's putting all that stuff down... Well, she turns around, and, and as soon as that happens, yep. things sort of start to freak out. Yeah. And oh, all yeah. the beds pop out of the crypt uh, game. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's really uh, cool. And they're all still writhing and shit, but they're all just like drenched in blood. Yeah, they are. Uh, which was, I mean, it was honestly kind of neat looking. But yeah, um, I thought it was pretty cool, man. And I think as that's happening, I think this was when Frank finally comes out and starts to confront Kirsty about his message. You know, like he's yeah, the he's one like, who sent hey, look, it. I, I sent it. Yeah, who the like, fuck do you think sent it? Who, yeah, he's like, what, you fucking your daddy? Are you serious? Is it, uh, here's another moment where uh, he slams her up against the wall yeah. and you see the wallpaper again. You do. You definitely, <laughs> you do. And he's being like really, uh, he's coming on to her in a sense, like, you know, he's like, uh, you know, explaining like, maybe this is what she wanted and all this other stuff, you know, and uh, eventually I think she kind of peels away and, tells him that she'll do whatever he wants and all this other stuff you know 
That's what I she's mean, like, she's I'm like, not having it anymore. It's I'm weird. Like, like, she even pops a kiss on him or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think that's what draws him back. And then she walks over, like, one of those those platforms. And then she's like, I'll do anything you want. Just don't hurt me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And then she gets, like, uh... And she's like, she, I'd rather burn. Yeah, I'd rather burn. And then she throws that sheet on a series of those candles. And it, that it flames. vanity. Exactly. It, it lights the whole place yeah, up. Yeah, that was the thing. The whole place just went... Boom. Yeah, ascender really quick, too. And even uh, caught our boy Frank on fire. It started fucking him up. The flesh was melting. And he, he, the whole point of him was comment. He's like, my flesh, the flesh. Oh, and you see it sort of peeling off yeah. him. And he sort of starts ripping exactly. some of it. And you end up with Skidless Frank as you normally know him, really. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, you know, I was thinking back now, too, on those, 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 sheet, those sheeted cover platforms. He, he loses the fact that those were women and then they're just there to tease him. And that's, yeah, that's the whole oh, yeah, reason why is, he wanted this is Kirstie. His hell. Yeah. He said this is his hell. Oh, yeah, and that's like, why he brought Kirsty here. Yeah, that's a good point. I almost forgot about that. But, uh, yeah, she, like I said, he gets put aflame. The skin comes off. Um, I think at that point, the flames start to subside a little bit. You know what I mean? They kind of go out. And that's the thing, though, thinking about it. Frank yeah. being part of yep. Christie's hell makes sense. Oh, no doubt. Because Pinhead already alluded to her that this is her hell. Yep. That they're in right now. Yep, exactly. Yeah, I thought every time that we queued to one of the characters that we were experiencing their own personal hell. You know, and mm-hmm. like I said, and then when they teamed with other characters that overlapped their own hells together, um, you know, but it, that's a good point. She was in her own hell at that point. Um, and then we see, I think it's uh, Tiffany walks in, or not walks in, but she's got uh, Julia. Julia's got, got, Tiffany. got Tiffany. She kept her outside. Um, and that's when, like I said, when that's when those candles start to subside, the fire subsides. We get Frank talking to Julia about, you know, their oh, relationship this is, and all that. This shit. is when Frank was telling Julia, "I knew you'd come back. You yeah. forever belong to me." Yeah, you belong to me. He's like, this was one, you know, like a family reunion or some shit. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he's like, yeah, he does. He says, "You belong to me." And but she has other plans. Yeah. Uh, well, she doesn't do the head thing, but she rips out his motherfucking heart. Yeah. She she kind of walks up to him like she right before she does that little fucking lip thing. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like ooh, ooh boy. But you're right. She rips his heart out, and she's and like, while she's, she's like, taking <laughs> care of Frank, the other two bolt. They're they like, do. I think she's like, don't take it personal or some shit. She tells him. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's weird, but yeah, they're right. They they take off. They 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 enter into the crazy ward. Oh, yeah, they get, they're back in the ward after that. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Uh, and while that happens, uh, Tiffany or they somebody drops yeah, the I box. Yeah, I think uh, Julia, yeah, she retrieves the box. Um, I, well, I think, I, oh, no, I, no, I know what it was. It was Kirsty was running down that hallway and she fell like all white girls do. Oh, right, right. <laughs> she does that traditional, oh, I fell down. She and dropped the box, the box falls out, and, and then it falls yeah. kind of next to the wall. Yeah, exactly, and that's and what then happens. When Julia is trying to follow them, she finds it. She grabs it. She picks it up. Yeah, and then that's when Tiffany and Kirstie are back in that psych ward room, and uh, it's kind of sunny and, and almost you know kind of welcoming, I guess, at that point. Uh, um, and then you see the chamber pop back out of the ground. Yeah, it does, and it opens up, and you see the channered Cenobite. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool, man. Yeah, Doctor C, he exits from the box. Yep, and you know he he's still fucked up with all the things, and he's like, "Oh, to think I hesitated." Yeah, to think I hesitated. I thought that was pretty cool. But and then, right after that, there was like this appendage thing. So it's weird, man. I I wrote that it looked kind of like, like kind of like arm a. Thing. I wrote that it kind of looked like a dick. Yeah, yeah. With like a weird, like almost like nightmare 
penetrator at the end of it. Yeah, like, like it opened up like a like if you open up your like palm. other than the opening part, it yeah. looked kind of like a dick. <laughs> yeah, but that opening part was kind of like uh, I don't even know how to describe. Uh, like I can see it in my head, but I don't know what I'm. Yeah, but like say I, I, I imagine it like if you're gonna describe it, like open up your palm. Or your fist and exposing your fingers and then inside your palm there's like a fucking drill or some sort. Yeah. And that just pops into the top of his head and I'm like... Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm like... Uh, you the, know, I think this the, might be... That, the... that has to be like Leviathan using it for his own purpose or something. Oh, yeah, because it does. It drills him in the, uh, on the top of his skull. It sucks onto his head. Starts drilling. I think this is the first time we hear like these weird fucking laughs coming from him, man. He makes these weird laughing noises is weird i think yeah i think once we've seen that part where he's like so coming out of the box it cues back to julia coming down the hallway because it splits on them oh that's right tiffany and uh like i said julia uh, i mean uh, tiffany and um and kirsty are in that hallway and like those two tunnel uh on the sides of them split and it tries to suck them in yeah it tries to suck them in and they they grab onto opposite sides. They of the do, and, they, and like you can kind of see Tiffany's fingers slipping a little bit from from like holding onto one of the ledges. You and see Julia kind of coming down that hallway. I was gonna say this part seemed kind of weird because Julia kind of walks down that hallway like the wind isn't affecting her one bit. Yeah, exactly. Until Kirsty kind of adjusts herself some yep. to be able to to push Julia back some yep. before grabbing onto the edge again. Mm-hmm. And after she pushes her, it seems like the wind starts affecting her. Yeah, it's, it is weird how, how that whole part, because she kind of like... Because as know, soon as she gets pushed yeah. and knocked away from him, then she suddenly has to start fighting against the wind. Yep. And the wind actually ends up pulling her skin off of her. Yeah, and I think that's when she latches onto Tiffany and then Kirstie's getting all, you know... Hissy. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she Tiffany gets all hissy about you know the fact yeah, that she's like don't trust out. her, blah blah blah. And then they they do the and whole Tiffany like try latch. Back, she's like, okay, I'm gonna reach for. Yep, they uh, they all latched onto each other. Yeah, at that point they had the the, the triforce going, yeah, and then so, they yeah. wind up pulling. Tiffany off her gets flag. mesmerized. <laughs> yeah, Tiffany gets mesmerized into reaching for Julia. Yep, but before she can get pulled away, Kirsty grabs onto Tiffany. Yep. Exactly. At which point the wind pulls Julia out of her skin. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like her whole composition got pulled off her frame, you know. And then I think that's where she also so happens to lose the uh, the spike. Oh the yeah, spike she box. loses the box. Yep, the spike box. Yeah. Yeah. So as that's happening, I guess they that's when they exit back into the hospital, right? Um, into that psych ward room, and uh, I think then then like I think it's. Um, Kirstie, she's like sitting on the bed, and like this is where some of her shitty acting kind of comes into well, play. Well, not just shitty acting, but one of the things I noticed, I think you're going to say the, the crying, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. So, not only what did her crying look bad, oh, man, but one of the cool. things I noticed about it was that it was dubbed in. That was all ADR. That was, <laughs> that was recorded afterwards. Man. She recorded laughing over the top of that. That's weird, isn't it? Uh, and i did notice some adr one other time in this and i think i made a note of it hopefully i did but that's funny dude but you're right that that whole scene where she's like just got daddy you know it's it's uh, it's it's a little painful and then Uh, i think but then she comports herself and she's good yeah and yeah like i said tiffany comes over they kind of embrace i guess she's consoling kirsty uh they walk i guess apparently out of that room and then into like a that that wing where all those patients were on the bed where the doctor first came in so is this still in hell or is this back in the real world? No, uh, it might be in the real world. I think they because, might be out because it kind of seems say that like she goes, wants to go back in later on. 
Right, and they sort of show memorials to these patients later on. They do. That's why I think maybe there's a possibility where this is like they're back in the real world. But Channard is obviously taking oh, yeah. control. Well, they're also interdimensional, I, I believe. So I mean, mm-hmm. it kind of pays out to that. But uh, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> You're right. Uh, as they're walking past all those patients, the, the, the patients are playing with the boxes themselves. And, and they all have their to, own boxes. Yeah, they and they're chained into them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you're right. Then that's when the doctor appears, Doctor Chenard, as a Cenobite. And then that's the first time I think you hear Tiffany too. Like she actually says something. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I, she I says, meant to make a note she's of that. Like, Shit. Uh, and you also you see his weird hand, yeah, tentacle snake thing. It is weird, man. So some of the graphics on the like so you have to think of the time period too. That's why. They so his palm me. opens up. And these three tentacles come out. <laughs> exactly what you're talking but about. But you see later on that they're not quite just tentacles. They're yeah. kind of like eels. Yeah, exactly. But they each have mouths. Yep. And the mouths can produce different things. And I mean, it is kind of hell and he's interdimensional and stuff. So it kind of exactly. seems to be up to his whim to an extent. Uh, but what you most often see them come out with is like it's funny. a knife. Yeah. So they end up kind of being these, like, writhing spear tips. That's a good way of, of describing it. Uh, and this is the first time you see that shit. And he's like... Yeah, coming out of his, his arm appendage. And <laughs> I think, I think too, like I said, well, as he's doing that, um, he's full of puns throughout. Like, I guess he's conversing with Kirsty and Tiffany, dropping, like, little doctor puns on them. And um, anyhow, I think he, they eventually kind of squirm away from him. And he, he makes a comment that he has to amputate, like, you know, like this time for amputation. Mm-hmm. And he winds up amputating one of the patient's hands off. And, like, he starts to have this really maniacal, weird, <laughs> you know, kind of laugh. It was fucking weird. I thought it was kind of cool, though. Um, and but then like, Kirsty and Tiffany yep. run into... They're right head. back into the room with the chains and the Cenobites. Yeah, because the whole room's draping those chains. And they're like, oh, and nice to see and you. And they're like, oh, hey, by the way, uh, we're over this shit. <laughs> yeah, uh, they are. No deals this time. Yeah, exactly. And they are. They're like, time to play. No more games. We want your flesh. You uh, keep coming back. Yep. And that's why I was wondering if it was the real world or not. You know, that's that's a great point. I think they can, at this point, probably. They were called into that area, so yeah. uh, nobody's put them away yet, I guess, necessarily. You know, there's a possibility that when the doctor came through, he might have been opening portals, too. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But that's a good point. I can see it either way. Yeah, they're like, look, it's it's over with. It's game time. And you keep coming here. <laughs> yep. uh, we can't just let you keep running around. This shit... Sorry. It's like, look, like, we have other people. You know, your time's done. But, uh... Then she's like, she's like, no, no. no. She's like, I just want information. Yeah, she just wants to. And he's like, all right. And Pinhead drops a fucking legendary fucking line, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, your suffering will be legendary even in hell. Even in hell. Yeah, I thought that was kind of awesome. Because he, he does, he alludes to the fact that, like, you know, if, if you're fucking with us or trying to trick us again, yeah, your torture is going to be legendary. Yeah, like this shit. We're <laughs> over this, I, I love that, that line. I thought that was awesome. Uh, but yeah, she, you're right. She's like, I only, I only want information or have information. And then uh, she gives Pinhead a picture of himself, that picture she found on the scrapbook. Of Elliot Spencer. Exactly. Um, and she's like, hey, it's you. Yeah. It's like, Remember, you, come on. Yeah, you, you were all human. human. You all used to be human. Yeah, she come confronts on. all the Cenobites about that. And as she's, you know, doing that, um, I think it goes back to Dr. Chenard, you know, being a Cenobite. He's confronting Tiffany about, you know, I guess, 
just confronting her in general. And then the, the Cenobites start to uh, to fight back. I guess the doctor. I guess he like oh right before he that he's kind of like bags. beckoning Tiffany, oh, and yeah. he uses his his tentacle yeah. oh, fingers. Yeah. And one of them opens up and produces a flower, a flower and, a finger, and another one does a finger pointing. and sort of does the the come here like the yeah. The come. I think he's he's alluding to the fact like he it's time for surgery or some shit on her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you're right. I, I thought it was funny that that finger came out and the flower came out. But you're right. Like he shows up and he's like, "Come on, like we got shit to do." Mm-hmm. It's at this point that Pinhead's like, "Oh no, I remember." Like yeah, he starts to remember. He's like, I got, we got shit to do. And like you said, exactly. It's fucking Cenobites They start to him. fight Dr. Trenar, and he's he's up for the battle. They start shooting the chains at him. He, they start to latch on, and then he uses those weird little dick appendages to slice <laughs> yeah. them apart with his knife, you know, endings or whatever. And then he shoots out one of those oh, little yeah. eels straight into the lady's, like, neck. Yep, and then as uh, soon as it thing. pierces her... By the way, the lady looks awesome. Her yeah. little neck opening thing has always was, been... It has always awesome. fucking intrigued me. That's another one where I've always been like, oh, that looks so cool. Yeah, like I said, they do a great job, man. Uh, but yeah, as soon as it pierces her, it reveals a human form of herself. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, that's the first one we see. Um, I think right after he shoots the the female Cenobite, um, I think it goes to, is it Butterball next? Yep, he shoots Butterball next. Yeah, and then Butterball turns and, to, you know, a heavy set man. Yeah, no, no surprise. Next one. Oh, oh yeah. my god. So this is this is Chatter- where I was just like, yeah. holy shit, what is the story here? Because so a little bit of backstory before we would do the reveal. Like yeah, for the yeah. most part, like it's it's been hinted at multiple times that the Cenobites in their human ways beforehand yeah. and lenses. people who had sought out the cube puzzle box in general were generally gigantic hedonists. Who had already indulged yep. in just really horrific things? It's actually oh, yeah. alluded to, and I'm not yeah. trying to fetish shame. Like it's alluded to the fact that these people have went like above and beyond oh, yeah. uh, in search of of finding it's both depravity. the ultimate pleasure and pain. Yep, exactly. They they want to to go to the extremes of, uh, as far as they know how to go to. But you're right. So he shoots one at the chatterer, and it sort of sticks him to one of those like, the post, uh, like a spinning. I, I called them the torture pillars. That, that makes sense. Uh, they come up in most of the movies, yeah, in exactly. some form or another. Exactly. That's a good point. Um, and it sticks him to the torture post. It starts to spin, and it starts to spin. And when it spins back around to show him as to show him as a huge human form. He looks like a like a fourteen year old kid. Yeah, like like you said, a, a, an adolescent, maybe a preteen or a teen, a young teen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think even think like you can see the expression on Kirsty's and maybe even Tiffany's face. Like, oh, holy shit! That, that that's a kid. Yeah, that's that's something to. Oh yeah, it's come on, up. Clive Barker, give me like an official story. Yeah, like, I mean so. that that you're right. When I saw Chatterer get turned into that kid, I was like, oh shit, you know. You're right, and uh, then I think once we, we see the reveal of, of who Chatterer was in human form, um, Pinhead kind of confronts Dr. Trenard, the Who seems to be out of his like, eels. Yeah. Like, he doesn't have any more hand eels, yep, and exactly. there's two holes in his hands. Yeah. And he starts sort of uh, shooting that energy that the, the cube seems to emanate when you're, when you're opening it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and each he hits Pinhead a couple times with it. Yeah, he does. He definitely does. And I think every time that it, that that happens, he starts to lose like the lines and like the pins and you know like everything that makes him who who he is as Pinhead and, and turns he, him back to his human form. 
Mm-hmm. Each yeah, each time he gradually turns him back to Spencer. Kirsty and Tiffany run because if you're getting this chance, you fucking run from this. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, that's that's a perfect time to dip out. Yeah, when they're mm-hmm. getting confronted. But oh oh, that shit's happening. Uh, I'm gonna yeah. be over uh, not there. And I think too, like when uh, <laughs> when he finally turns back into Elliot Spencer, they he and and uh, Kirsty, I think they have an exchange, like almost like a, a look over and glance, like you know, I remember. Who I was, and as soon as he does that, he I guess he turns and he has like a, a weapon in his hand. Oh yeah, he has that knife. Yeah, he has that knife. As that, soon as uh, he does, <laughs> nope. He has the knife that the lady was sharpening. Yeah, earlier the, in the, the movie. female Cinnabite. Yeah, uh, but yeah, like, you're right. He turns and he he pretty much just immediately gets offed. But yeah, they run and they run back through the the room with all the patients that were working on the puzzles, and they've all been slaughtered. Yeah, they've all they're all gone. Um, they, and like the whole time that is happening too, like the dark clouds are kind of looming over the whole hospital complex. Uh, Tiffany loses the fact that she wants to go back in. Like she has to solve the puzzle. So they go running in because they. Yeah. Well, Tiffany at least kind of knows now. She yeah, knows how to solve puzzles. I'm guessing that labyrinth is just a big puzzle to her. Yeah, she does. She takes off. Uh, I think she goes back and she finds the spiked uh, that spiked puzzle, the cube. Oh, right. uh, from yep. uh, Julia's flesh the whole time that you know it got ripped off. Uh, you're right, and they kind of, I guess they go to see Leviathan is what I yeah, wrote down. Yeah, she goes back up to that top level, uh, and she gets dark beamed. She gets dark beamed, and then you have that montage, and it kind of seems like she remembers it all, though it's still not yep. really given. It's to still us kind clearly. of vague. Still, I mean, it's it's a but lot. But she more seems clear. to know what's all going. on. Oh yeah, you see the montage of of her, her mom, the you know Doctor Chenard the whole time. I think the mom even, you know, the whole point that she wanted to see the doctors that she got consumed by the puzzles, like that's taken over her life. Uh, you know, and that's the why she wanted. Like, yeah. I need someone who's consumed by puzzles. Oh, uh, that's perfect. You know, exactly. Um, and then she, you're right. She she kneels down and kind of like, I almost have like a, a cry gasp. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like she, you're right. She kind of. Remembers. But then she just starts, you know, trying to solve it. Still moving forwards, yep. going exactly. Forward. She walks. Yeah, she walks even closer. She kneels down and starts to work on the puzzle itself, or the the, the spike box. And then the doc pops up. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, he's about to to get at her, but I think Kirsty jumps in the way. Yeah, Kirsty jumps in the way to protect Tiffany. She gets whacked out of the way, and the box gets knocked out of the hand. Yep, still, sure does. Uh, th- that doesn't really seem to matter too much. Uh, yeah, Kirsty ends up squishing one of those eel things. Yep, she does. She winds up kicking it out of the way. I put that the do- the doctor. Like the whole that whole scene, it looked like he like if you're familiar with the jetpacks, like in, in like if you're I guess on the rivers or whatever, mm-hmm. and you're doing like those jetpack style. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah I guess I mean, it kind of looked like that one of those water jetpack. <laughs> yeah, things. exactly. It's like that's kind of what it looked like, man. That was attached to his head, but I uh, I guess he's confronting Tiffany. You know, like uh, he's like you and uh, Kirsty's whole lives are behind you. <laughs> you know, not in front of you. This behind you now. Right, and he he opens up one of his mouth tentacle things yep. and it's just like 20 needles crazy like, yeah oh it's so fucked up looking. it's pretty wild i like i said i like some of the stuff they did with the uh the effect or, oh know, and then the another one too. it's like the way i described it was like it was a, a flower made out of knives yeah. that just kept opening more and more to more and more knives like fractals of itself yeah to the point where the it's what he's eventually threatening her with because it starts spinning towards the oh, end of yeah. it and i had to make the note that what he's actually threatening her with 
by the time it gets disseminated down that far down the line of yeah. the blooming knives is it's actually far less scary than it was like, the, like beginning of it. four or five like yeah. iterations before. Like, no, and you're right because I even wrote that down that like it's like these scalpel drill appendages start to appear. Uh, yeah, and he even tells her like, you know, what's on the agenda? Vivisection. You know, mm-hmm. like he wants to operate on her. That's the whole point. Uh, then you see, I think Julia pops up. Well, it looks like Julia pops up and grabs Tiffany. Well, what I was noticing is uh, Tiffany's backing up. Yeah. And she's backing up. And as... You see Kirsty kind of... As Julia catches Tiffany, yeah, it's right before she backs into a chamber. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yep. The doc yeah. was going to turn yep. Tiffany into a, into a puzzle-solving Cenobite. God, could you imagine that? A puzzle-solving Cenobite. That would have been crazy. But yeah, you're right. She uh, she does save her from going into the box. But yeah, Julie, Julia pops up. Grabs Tiffany. I think she uh, she starts like starts making out with the doctor or something. Yeah, like that. she's like, like a little yeah. freaky shit and going on. He grabs her. He's like, I knew you'd come back. And they yeah. kiss. They're like, oh, kisses. And Tiff, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my taco flavor kisses. <laughs> yeah, kisses for my doctor. But then, uh, yeah, uh, Tiffany kind of gets away and, and she, she grabs the box. box yep. And she solves it. So she solve it. Because that's what she does. Yep. Um, I, I like this line, too. That was kind of funny. Because he says, uh, your case is closed, Tiffany. I'm afraid it's terminal. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? um, yeah. Attacks Tiffany. Yeah. He slashes her hand. She, he does get like a little whack on her hand. Uh, I think the blade appendages, when I put them down, uh, they shoot down, like try to shoot down at her. And they get trapped in the concrete flooring. Yeah. Yeah. And then the, the force penis. Of yeah. That appendage on the top of his head. Penis head. The dick head. Starts, yeah. Starts, starts to, to pull at him. And it ends up ripping off just the top of his head, and that looks super gnarly. I liked it too because at first I thought it was the whole head that popped off, but it was it got split from the jaw, like the bottom jaw Mm -hmm. and the upper jaw got split from his his body. I was like, oh damn, it's just his upper jaw and the rest of his skull. It's fucking. And this entire time, like Leviathan seems like it's getting pissed. Oh yes, and it's starting to change a bit. Yeah, it starts to shoot off uh, beams and shit like that. I start that. writing that it shoots plasma balls, but it doesn't really seem to matter, honestly. Yeah. Uh, they are constantly, like, going by the characters' heads. Oh, yeah. And just, like, damn, you're filling every hallway. Oh, and yeah. There's, no, well, there's I, no fucking way in hell that any of these plasma balls no, missed dude. any of the characters. Well, you know, I think even a little bit before that, we, we get the reveal of who Julia is. Oh, like, yeah, right, yeah, a little bit sorry, before yeah. That. No, it's okay. Like, it just makes why, me think about it, because it was so... I, no, yeah. <laughs> It's so blatant that man. That shit's like so, gra- you know, like computer generated for that time period. Yeah. But yeah, like I so said, we as as we see the the Doctor Trenard Cinnabite get his head fucking ripped off. Tiffany kind of backs away and she she falls over the ledge and she grabs onto it. But she's kind of slipping because one of her hands yep. is fucked. And... Exactly. And but then you see a hand reach down and grab onto hers and tells her, you know, trust me or some something of that nature. And it looks like still Julia. Julia. Yeah. Julia's like what? But when she tells her, it's in uh, somebody else's voice. Right. You're like, you're oh, like what oh, the okay. hell is going okay. on? Yeah, so she's still holding on, and as she's holding on and grabbing onto Julia's arm, her you see the flesh kind of separate from the shoulder, and so the flesh is kind of tearing away as she's gripping onto Julia's arm, and it uh, does tear away. It does tear away. It falls uh, down that little... 
you know, that tunnel complex of, of the labyrinth. Which I, I'm wondering if they were just like running out of money at this point because they sh- they might have they, been. They, you see you see that little bit tear away and fall down. Yeah, there's there's no real break at the shoulder no. at all, and it's it's just all blood stained at that it point is. and stuff. And it it uh, is it's kind of yeah well, exactly when when all that stuff starts to fall apart it's just kind of like Ugh, you're right man. But anyhow, she pulls her up. It re- as the skin and all that's like I said, you see the blood soaked arm. That's all it is. We reveal. Well, I mean, it's, it's supposed to only be a blood soaked arm, but you but, don't you really. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the thing. So you get the reveal. It you pull her up, and it's Kirsty. Kirsty and Julia's skin. Yeah, it was. So Julia put on. Uh, I mean, Kirsty put on Julia's skin to trick the doctor. Made out of the doctor got Tiffany to solve the whole puzzle of Leviathan. Or you know whatever that little puzzle box was, and uh, helped her back up as the flesh was peeling off of her again. Right. Well, and, and like, there geez. and there we go. So they got like, they got a use out of that skin though. They run out of there as Leviathan is shooting yeah, off shooting these off plasma beams. bolts. There's no way in hell that any of them didn't hit them. I, I, with the I was thinking that. I was like, man, this is so. I mean, I understand that this is getting near the end of the film. And whenever man, the corny. plasma balls would hit something, it didn't do anything no. until the very end. Exactly. Until they finally got, got back into, into the, the hotel, into the hospital ward. Yep. And a couple of them go through and hit some shit and blow up some shit, but that's yeah, it. Yeah, like some stuff maybe in the room. Big deal. <laughs> stuff you can replace. Yeah, so like I said, you're right. As as they got back into the psych ward, um, well, that was basically, I mean, that was... Basically, yeah. I yeah, mean, they, you see they the, look like they're kind of buddies though, now at this point. I think mm. when Leviathan, I think that you know the 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 structure of what Leviathan was supposed to be inside of Hell, it starts to turn back into a box of itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what we see as that wall's closing. That well, they kind of look from. like the reverse of uh, yeah of how it went out to the cube in the first place. Makes, makes sense. Which makes sense. Yeah. So. so it's reverting back to its cube form or box form. Uh, the wall closes, makes these weird little fucking sounds inside the room, and that's basically it. They got out. Uh, and then the, the only thing to wrap it up as an epilogue is you see some moving guys in the doctor's house. Yeah, I think, well, a little bit more, they, oh. have, they have the the wreath, like you said, we were talking about that, those bouquet wreath flowers for the patients. Oh, uh, right. Oh, you see that little memorial. Yeah, for the... like, say, so they're on the bed, and then they kind of walk out of the psych ward together. Like, they're all dressed up kind of nice and prim and proper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, they just walk off. That I was, was like, relationship. Possibly. Uh, it's a good point, because they do. They just walk off together out of the psych ward, dress nicely. I'm going to uh, I'm gonna ship uh, Kirsty and uh, Tiffany, yeah. myself. Anyway. There you go. <laughs> but you're right. Then it goes to uh, some Then we see guys. some moving guys yeah, at it the does. doctor's place, getting this shit out of there. Yeah, it's just like two dudes. They're just like, who the fuck's place is this? Like, you know, just wrap it up, B. You know? Yeah. One of, them, one of them finds the mattress. Oh, yeah, he does. And he gets pulled in. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah, he buddy just, goes to check it out. <laughs> yep, but buddy comes to check him. it out. Uh, when when he does, he sees his buddy like halfway stuck in, and then the uh, like you said those those Cenobite column chamber yeah torture the, the torture pillar sort yeah. of comes out of the middle and of it the starts mattress. to kind of rotate too, and you can see parts of like uh, all the different Cenobites. Pinhead, you see like you pinhead's see the female face. Cenobite, the chatterer. You, you see, see that uh, fetus with the sewn mouth. Yeah, exactly. Like that little doll figure with the, yeah, exactly. And then it starts to spin, and I thought this was the cool part too. It it stopped on a part where you see this man's face with long hair and a long beard, and he asks, "What is your pleasure, sir?" Yep. <laughs> and then boom, and 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 to the film credits, 
And that's a wrap on the movie, man. Right? So. Yeah, no, that's so great. Uh, fucking, like I said, I think by the time I got to the end of this, I realized I, I, this is my favorite of the... You know, and, and the cool thing, too, that makes sense, and I think you'll, you'll if you go watch the third film, the third installment, is that it makes sense with those uh, torture columns, because they play an important part in the third film, mm-hmm. which I think I, I was kind of talking about before we even got into the film itself, but uh makes sense. It kind of, you know, now I can kind of see how it's leading into all the other films now. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just wanted to mention like the couple of the things just to try to sell the comic series because yeah. I mean I I don't really have any stake in it but I found it to be an awesome awesome uh, addition to the mythos is that that story involves uh, Pinhead trying to pull kind of a, a loophole con by becoming mortal again and then seeking salvation for his own nefarious ends. Understandable, uh, yeah. But part of what he's doing is sending clues to Kirsty about where to find these other toys and artifacts that can call the Cenobites into the world so wow. that they can be destroyed, while also he ends up uh, betraying all the Cenobites and killing them and Kirsty becomes the next head wow. hell priest or whatever you, yeah. you want to say it. That's awesome, man. So, yeah, if you, if you want to go, um, like I said, along with the mythos, with the, with the Cenobites and the whole story arc, yeah, there's, I mean, that's a great way to look at it. And I'm not it. actually sure how canon that is. We were yeah. kind of discussing this earlier. Uh, because I've read some Clive Barker. I have one of his books in the other room, a couple of his things over in the other room. But I haven't read Hellbound Heart. Yeah. Which is was the inspiration, and I haven't read. I think it was called the Scarlet Gospels, which was the the final story. Okay. And he kills off Pinhead in that story, and he wanted it to be, it to be definitive and stuff. Yeah. And I'm not sure how much that, the movies contradict anything found in those, huh. uh, because it seems to be that Barker considers the. The novels and such to be the the ultimate canon, followed then probably by the movies, yeah, probably then followed by the comics. So I'm not sure how much of the comics even applies to anything. That's but. a good point. You know how far along in the canon it it, it actually follows. Um, it'd be a good way to kind of delve into it, and maybe see how close they are. You know, maybe they do just in a different area, different aspect of it. Right. Uh, but I think, like I said, that's it for this movie. Yeah, like I said, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it was a good way to get re-familiarized with the, the franchise, uh, carry over from the first one. kind of picks up right where it left off. Like, I might no actually watch three really soon here. Yeah, and, and you know, I think part three is a pretty quick watch, like maybe an hour and a half as well. So you don't have to dedicate a lot of time, but it goes right back into the storyline. Nice. We have actually chose the next. Oh, yeah. Two movies at least. Yep. Uh, we might as well just uh, we, we kind of want to reveal them now because I think we're going to have a lot of fun with them yeah uh, the first uh, one's going to be one that I haven't watched which we have second one. done before on this show because yeah. I hadn't seen Visitor Q well this will be the first time for me not the following episode but the the one following the, the one we're going to do next uh, I haven't seen either so this will be a good way to see how we both react to films we have never seen and they're both current movies as well right these are also going to be the two newest movies that we have done so far. yeah so uh so we're going to start it off with next week we are going to be doing as chosen by danny oh yeah uh found which i i think uh it's a perfect title for a film that no puns intended i did find 
Um, like I can't remember exactly how I might have been through a forum or just you know delving into similar films, but uh, this was a, a adaptation. The film is an adaptation of a short novel um, that was written. I don't know, maybe in the the late two thousands. Okay, and uh, got turned into a film two thousand twelve. Great independent film, very dark. Can't wait to cover it. Yeah, uh, you uh, you had me watch the trailer. Oh yeah, after we got done recording last time. And it looks fantastic. Uh, it looks crazy. This is this is not giving anything away. It's not a spoiler, but I'll say, as far as this film goes, I think it has one of the most memorable endings that I've ever seen in a horror film. I'm okay. I'm like I said, I'm sold. I watched the trailer. I'm looking way forward to this. Uh, then the week after, we'll just so you guys can, I guess, yeah. get prepared if you haven't watched it either. I, like I haven't seen this one. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Danny will be consuming for the first time, and me for like the third or fourth, uh, the Babadook. Yeah, which uh, a lot of people have seen at this point. This one we aren't really straying too far off the beaten path. Oh no, no, no. like I'm uh, very familiar it, with it, just I haven't seen it. Yeah, a lot of people, even that don't normally watch horror, I know, sort of latched onto this movie because it was just extremely well done. Yeah, but like you said, since you haven't seen it yet. I, I feel like it's a, a perfect thing to I sort agree. of hit on this show. Yeah, so in in back-to-back episodes, it'll be first-time uh, viewing experiences for both of us, but on separate films. Which I uh, think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking really forward to getting into it. And with that in mind, if you guys want to keep listening to yeah. us, as always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and soundcloud we're on soundcloud we're also we've got you can check us out on our website which is right, www.friedsquirms.com yeah um, if you ever want to give us a, an email we also have an email uh, squirmcast at gmail.com that right. is s-q-u-i-r-m-c-a-s-t at gmail.com yeah, and you can find us also on facebook and uh, i am going to make us yeah. a twitter this week that'd be cool just so to, to help to us keep updated with people sounds um, like a deal uh, we'll have the information for that uh, next episode. Yeah, but I, I am we'll going to get this that. done at some point this yeah, week. Yeah, like I said, if you're on Facebook, check us out on our uh, Fried Squirms uh, fan Yeah, page. either look for, for yeah Fried Squirms or at FSCast, which will probably yeah. actually be the Twitter eventually. Well, too, I, I like, yeah. So, uh, like I said, there's multiple ways to catch up with us. We hope you enjoy this episode and previous episodes. And I uh, look forward to doing the next several that are coming our way. Yeah, uh, we'll catch you next week i guess yeah well like i said with that being said i'm danny i'm tyler you guys have a good night adios